Time being seven o'clock, I call the May 25th, 2023 meeting of the Franklin Town Council to order. Please pause for a moment of silence. Please stand for the Pledge of Allegiance. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Announcements from the chair. Weren't we just here? Uh, all citizens are now welcome to attend public board and committee meetings in person. Meetings are live streamed by Franklin TV and shown on Comcast Channel uh, 11 and Verizon Channel 29. In an effort to maximize citizen engagement opportunities, citizens will be able to continue to participate remotely via phone or you may click the zoom link that is on the posted agenda and on the town's website phone number is 929-205-6099 and the meeting id is 899-5382-6523 and then you need to hit the pound sign once again the meeting id 872 5382-6253 pound. Okay. If residents are just interested in watching the meeting, it will also be live streamed by Franklin TV. Citizens' comments. Citizens are welcome to express their views for up to three minutes on a matter that is not on the agenda. The council will not engage in a dialogue or comment on a matter raised during citizens' comments. The town council will give remarks, appropriate consideration, and may ask the town administrator to review the matter. Is there anyone in council chambers that would like to speak on an item not on tonight's agenda? Name and address in case you forgot. <laughs> in case somebody else forgot. Now, Steve Sherlock, 10 Lawrence Drive, uh, Community Information Director for Franklin Matters, Franklin TV. Certainly there was a cable problem last night. Briefly, uh, we have folks watching to make sure that does not reoccur tonight. And just for everybody's information, uh, we're at it. The Zoom feed is fine. There's a live recording being made at all times. And then the feed goes out to cable, to YouTube, which one other piece we should manage to add, put into your piece that it is on YouTube. Okay. And how to get there, you can go to the franklin.tv. There's the three cha channels, public access, uh, the pride channel, uh, all access, and the TV, uh, excuse me, the town hall channel. Click on that, that brings you directly into the YouTube feed. YouTube had no issues last night, clearly Zoom had no issues. We had a bunch of folks here. It was only the feed via our service into Cable that was having some problems briefly, those were resolved. And again, folks are standing by tonight to make sure that doesn't happen. As a backup, I also have an audio recording so that if things really went Dixie, we at least have an audio recording of the meetings as well. So thank you for the opportunity. Thank, thank you, Steve. Thank you, Steve. Okay, is there anyone else in council chambers that would like to speak on an item not on tonight's agenda? 
Seeing none, is there anyone out in Zoom land that would like to speak on an item not on tonight's agenda? Okay. Seeing none, we will move on. Uh, and move on to public hearings. And I declare the continuation of the first public hearing on the FY24 Town of Franklin uh, budget <coughs> open or reopen. So uh, we ended off uh, with the schools last evening. The next uh, department held is Department 422, uh, everybody's favorite, uh, DPW, uh, Mr. Canarenci. <coughs> I believe you can find your way to the front yes, desk. Yes, sir. Okay. Uh, I don't know who's trying to impress with the bow tie. <laughs> Seriously. How many people happy? It's, it's failed. <laughs> 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 it doesn't work for Kathy. Uh, I'll start with the council. Questions from the council. Who would like to begin with this piece of the fat pipe? <laughs> Councilor Chandler. <laughs> start off again. Thank you, Mr. Chandler, through you. Hi, everybody. Um, I just have a couple of real quick questions. Um, the first one on the 422. Last year, there was a line item where you spent just 12000 on chemicals. And this year it's up to a hundred thousand. Is that we buy a lot of different chemicals? I'm sorry, I'm Bruce Kennedy. I'm a public works director, Count Franklin. And I'm sitting up here with uh, Kathy Moore. She's the uh, financial um, manager for the DPW. Um, she's really good and knows all the numbers. She's here. And I got some of my other stuff. Maybe she can answer the question. I know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure which one. Which one? We buy a lot of different chemicals. Some, you know, which some of them water, yeah. sewer. These could be. Um, uh, it was on the 422. Right at the bottom, it should say chemicals, but um, we can't find it. That's okay. I just don't have the other budget. I'm not sure. There's so many. <laughs> our budget's really big. We've got a lot of stuff. <laughs> we buy a lot of chemicals in the water department. Okay, three. You see it? Four, ten, yeah. two. Under snow and ice. Oh, is it? Well, there's a view. One under snow and ice. You see the view. Brian, you want to continue to look yeah. at that? I'll come back to you if you want to. Okay, and just and just lastly, let's just go with the. Um, uh, I'm really glad you're hiring this fleet manager. It's on page 83. Yep. Yeah. 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 So that's what, that's, that's, um, uh, water. Water. Snow and ice. No, no, snow and ice. 
I think you, we actually did some posts on it. We, we wanted a new system. We're doing a liquid processing now, and we kind of eased into that. And that's what we call pre-treat the roads. And we got um, the person who bought a tank that sprays out, has those rails that go out. We do a pre-treatment. It only works certain times, but it, it allows the, um, uh, the ice does not bond with the roadway. So it actually saves, it, it does two things. It allows us some more time to get out there because as the precipitation starts falling and freezing, it will melt it. Okay, so a lot it gives a better chance to respond, and then also it allows the public to keep going out there till we get up, till we get going. So we bought a tank, and then we had bought another tank. We have a holding capacity. We, you know, the snow and ice is really. We do a lot of different technologies, and a lot of times we were spraying um, the calcium on the salt to make it on the road. But it's actually a pure liquid. We can go out like if it's not going to rain before. We go up to four days before the storm, put it down. So we do, what we've been doing is like our five truck route, all the mains and all the hills. And, and some folks might recognize they saw the squiggly lines in the road. So that's, um, that's what we did. And that's why that, that chemical went up. So that's what it is, that green squiggly lines, yes. Gotcha, I think a lot of people have seen that. Yes. Correct, okay. And it was, you know, this year, it was a really good winter for us because it wasn't a big winter. But we did go out, what, 22 times? Yeah, 22. No, 22 times, and um, uh, it did. We did use this a couple of times. But once again, we have to watch the weather. We have to use it. It's like anything else. It's the right application, the right. So we hope to expand it further. And as I just said, I'm I'm really glad you hired this manager because we have a lot of vehicles now. I mean, I don't know the exact number, but there's quite a few, and I've seen the. Our gas has gone up astronomical. Yeah. <laughs> astronomical. So I'm hoping maybe he could even get a handle on where these cars are going, who's going where. And maybe even next time you come and talk to us, you could bring him. That'd be great. And um, yeah, that's a great idea. Yeah. Give an overview. We have over 230 registered vehicles. And for the folks at home, we don't just maintain the public work vehicles, we maintain every vehicle in town. The only thing that we Parts we don't do is for the fire department. There's specialized equipment mm -hmm. that the chief works on sending out, but um, most of the vehicles we maintain everything down. And that's just the registered vehicles. That ain't all the tow behind compressors, generators, weed whackers. I mean, it goes the list goes on and on. So our guys do a lot of work. And initially, we did we did have four mechanics at one time because the reduction went down to three. But outsourcing is getting very expensive. And then, as you heard from my colleagues. Um, just employment practices, trying to find people is very, very difficult. So um, this is a this is a good thing we should be able to do in house and definitely save money. Okay, thank you, Brutus. Thank, thank you, Mr. Chairman. Thank, thank you, Councilor Chandler. Here, Brutus, let me uh, lead you into uh, uh, a little dissertation. You've got one of the busiest departments. Uh, in fact, the DPW affects every single resident in the community, one way or another. Residents, businesses, property owners. Can you talk about some of the biggest initiatives and projects citizens will see next year, i.e. stormwater, Beaver Street Interceptor, water mains, parks? Sure. Um, I, think, I think you know last year was probably one of our busiest years ever because we got different funding sources the federal government and, and you guys um, the way you allocate is a lot of different options that we could but I you know 
this is kind of what I always tell my peers out there. You guys have been really good about um, capital capital investment in the town, and I think that's me personally. Besides, I'm a public works guy. It's a good thing because people can touch and see and feel it, and it's a long-lasting thing. And I think you recognize that our infrastructure, like everything else, you know, it, it needs love, it needs help, it needs to be maintained and needs to be replaced. Um, so we did, you know, the high visibility for obviously doing Chestnut Street last year and then those, those paving jobs. This year, um, I, we, we put the water line in over Arlington and that road, um, we met with the contractor and that got bid out and they're gonna start on that whole area town over there. Arlington replaced all that. And that's, you know, the downtown, so curb to curb, replace the sidewalks, concrete and granite. Um, Grove Street, you know, we, that's, that's a really cool project that, you know, it's not just us, it's, you know, Jamie working on getting, we got a huge grant for that. We started out with the one up at the end, the, the traffic signal, that was an internal type thing, that was part of the planning board. We're waiting for that signal head. I mean, you used to be able to buy these things off the shelf. It's been 23 weeks, <laughs> and we're still waiting on it. They keep telling it's gonna come. So they've actually gone ahead and put off the mask because we're just yes. waiting to get up there. And then once we get it up there, um, uh, you know, I'll get you the, the timing and get people used to it, but that, that should be going up any time now. So, yeah, <laughs> you know, we're not crying, we're not so. Yeah. <laughs> I've um, just been telling people to call you. Yeah, I know. They, they, they're not afraid to call yes. like when it's going up. And I will say, just so folks know, that is going to, it's it's kind of like the downtown area. It's going to improve the traffic flow, particularly the people coming out of Grove Street. It's not necessarily going to increase the time going up to Washington. Okay, so you know, people think it's going to be a whole lot faster. It's really not going to improve that, but it's going to make it the area a lot safer and allow traffic to get in and out at different times. Um, we can do some mill and overlay. Um, that's where we, we grind up the top. You know, it's a, it's a pavement preservation type thing. And we're doing that down on Union Street and um, pretty much where we left off last year and then going up the hill. So we want to clean up the lower parts of Union Street. Um, the other thing we're kind of doing the mill and overlay, maybe you guys saw that we, we actually have a small mill machine in town that we do our own guys ourselves and we do some milling and paving. It's more of a permanent patch. So you might have seen the guys out there doing some stuff. We were just getting the stuff ready for the parade route and you know taking care of that stuff. Um, infrared program, it's not that glorious, but it's a lot of things. You see those guys that come out, they basically melt the asphalt and fix it. Castings might be loose, it makes it smoother, makes that area last a whole lot longer. It's a cheaper way to do things. Um, sidewalks, um, we're continuing with our sidewalk panel replacement program uptown. Um, we replaced a lot of handicapped ones that you saw that didn't meet the standards because last thing we want is have something happen or the town um, get sued. So we're, we're staying on top of that. In-house, we've also, the guys been working up on Jackson Circle and Jefferson, taking out some of the cracks out there. And I think they did 55, totally like 55, 56 cuts. Not 52, I'm exaggerating. But um, they, they cut them all out. We're going we're gonna to go ahead and, and fix them all. What's that? that never, no, happened. never happened. Never happened. You exaggerate. I know. And then we got um, uh, Janie out. Yeah, I think that's off of Pond Street, Schofield Drive. Um, I actually listened to a happy resident here saying how well it came out today. Oh, thanks. Thanks, Kelly. She's actually employed at the time. Double customer. But that job we bid out. We bid out early, like we always do. Um, it came in very low. The contractor had pipe, and the job's already done. I mean, it's not even June. We, we our major waterline job's done, you know, because they want to get in, get out, and they're ready to go. Um, sewer, 
We're going to continue with the lining. This is actually our phase seven program. I've told you about that before. We basically tie up the pipes, get leaks out of them, so we're not paying more money to the, the sewer treatment plant. You guys saw a lot of that going on last year. We got the same company coming back. They're excellent. They work. I don't. They work in that smelly stuff all day, but whatever. We see them. And then obviously the interceptor. We finally got our last piece of the pie, and that's the permit from DOT to go dig up 140. Um, so we're meeting actually with the contractor. Way we've just had some emails back and forth. They're going to be starting doing some lying what they have to do, but the main construction is going to start late summer, early fall, and go into the following year. And then the big lift station over on Beaver Street will be built next year because they're going to do lots of submittals. Um, and then the other thing is these are kind of the cool projects that like folks don't always realize because they just show up. But some of these are like years in the making, um, like Beaver Street. Behind there, um, down there, we built that whole new complex down there. You know, and this is like a really kind of a cool thing because you know Ryan gets some grants. He never has enough money. He whines to Jamie. The DPW help out. Got, you know, never heard Ryan whine. Just for the record. Come on, Ryan. We we fit. You know, but you get the never whine. I know. So I shouldn't say whine. But you know, we yeah, we shouldn't say whine. yeah, we go down there. We we we. Broke up the job. We had a big site contract come do some of the work. Public works did a lot of work, both the highway, the parks, the, the, the water side. Um, you know, and we save a lot of money. It takes a little while, but you know, you, you get a park that maybe investment-wise you might have four hundred thousand dollars in it. But if we put out the bid, it might be one point two million dollars. But it's a it's a really nice facility down there. The sculpture park. We're actually having a rededication for that. We're doing some you know some stuff down there. Um, we're working with that. Want to get some more folks on there. That's another cool park. Is you remember the old pond down there? That place was awful. I mean, you know, Excuse down me. there, town pool. Town pool, yeah. <laughs> and it was bad. You know, we we and that was one that took a while. But look at it now. It's like it's just well, the town can say they got a sculpture park our size. You know, and people. We were down there. I've been down there a lot lately because we're doing stuff. You residents love it. It's nice and small. It's flat. They can walk around there. It's a great little park. Um, we started doing an expansion of the parking lot for the rail trail because that's getting so much busy. Um, I'm taking a lot of material that we use in town that we have normally have to you know, haul away. We're going to use in-house material. So it helps us up there. So it's like killing birds with two stones. And then uh, the last one that's kind of like... Killing two cool. birds with one stone. <laughs> Not killing birds with two stones. <laughs> you haven't been to my farm. <laughs> I just had to... Most and foremost, you can dress them up. It was a really... <laughs> I just really wanted to interrupt to make sure the people were out thinking he's killing birds. The tree guy's killing birds. We don't want any avian cruelty claims. And the last one was uh, Nason Street. That, you know, we, we've been trying to rehab that for a long time, and you know, once again, Ryan, he didn't whine. He went out and got some grants, but uh, but you know, Public Works. We were down there, say us. You know, we did, we oversaw a lot of fencing. We did a lot of work. The hydro scene down there. To, to save some money. So these are these are things that are like the resident could show up and say, wow, this is great. And, but it, it, and there is a process to get there. And it's one thing that's neat about, I can say, working in Frank a long time, that there's a lot of, you know, the education, like a lot of collaboration between stuff and town and a lot of different funding sources, you know, to, to get where we're at. And there's a lot of cool things. Delcar is another one. We, you, know, you guys acquired a house. We, I remember tearing it down. I was asking the excavator. And you know, and look at that place now. We got damn money. We got granite. It's a you know, beautiful place. The mayor Marlboro was down here, you know, the other day. 
he wanted to go over and see it. He liked the walking bridges and stuff like that. So the word gets out. So it's, it's, it's pretty cool stuff. Just touch on what we might see, if any, construction on Beaver Street Intersection. What you're going to see? Yeah, what we might see. Oh, you're going to see. <laughs> <laughs> what I tell people is, we're going right up 140. <laughs> and we're, um, we're putting a big pipe down there, and it's going to cause a lot of problems. Um, and inconvenience people. And like Franklin, one of the things about this town is the way I describe it. It's a wagon wheel of roads going out. There's not a lot of easy detours around that area. So um, there is. That's why I want you to speak to it so that people understand what 140 traffic is bad enough. Correct. They will always be open going through there, and we are we are um, we are uh, working with some different firms. We're gonna you know we're gonna come up. Uh, I'll show you. We're we're gonna mark it. We're gonna basically put a lot of information out there. We're gonna overwhelm. The idea is we want to work with the businesses up there so they know when it's going to happen. They know they can plan for it. And yes, it's going to be disruptive, but we also want to make it accommodating as best we can. So, but um, if I could sit here and say people aren't going to get frustrated, they are going to get frustrated. It's going to be, a, but it's a project, as you all know, we talk about it has to be done. So, okay. Uh, my last question actually came up last night. I received a text from my wife that said, if Brutus is there asking why our trash wasn't picked up, <laughs> several months? Yesterday. Uh oh. Derek? <laughs> <laughs> My wife will ask me when I get home. So they've been having long lines at the disposal facility. So it's just like in Millbury where our trash is hauled to. Sometimes they're backed up a little bit, and there's just a big long line of trucks. And it's just a matter of waiting because they can get back one at a time. Yeah, it's about an hour route, an hour to get there, and an hour to get back. And you're doing 55 on the highway. So. And what happens also is there's DOT hours where these drivers can work. So they're stuck up there. And what's really stinks, it's not like. I mean, it'd be nice if one day we disrupt the Tuesday people and the following week's the Wednesday. It's always the Friday people because they're at the end of the week with these extra hours, typically what happens. So they're the ones that usually get picked up on Saturdays. But we do have a, a good relationship with waste management. I get an update, I know Derek does every day, which roads aren't done. We post on Facebook so you know people can see it's constantly up there, what's going on. So. Thanks, Bruce. Councilor Jones. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Um, Bruce, I have to ask, in the process of Cleaning up the sculpture park in the old town pool. Did you happen to find the chairman's flip flops? <laughs> years ago, when I was this was 1952. Oh, you could never find them. They're all first of all, I am not going to ask the Dell into a thousand different questions about your department because you are by far one of the few departments, no itself the rest of the departments that we see almost on a regular basis because you come in here with all kinds of presentations and you talk about all the multiple projects that are going on with time from time to time. It is disheartening to see the increase in many of the expenses that you've had to cure for the past year. They are understandable based on the simple fact of inflation. You know, Bobby mentions it all the time, the cost of the airport, the cost of fuel, the cost for chemicals, the cost of the that's going up. Um, I just hope that the public gets a chance to actually see these increases and understand why they're so significant. It's just it's no different than 
my house, you know, my, my food bill went up three times as much, my gas bill went up three times as much, my natural gas bill went up three times as much. And that's just across the board for all of our departments. Um, <clears throat> but, curious question, just on 424, I know that's not 422, but the, the street lighting, um, why does it even bother? We don't have any more it's going to come off in a year. The okay. only reason why it's there, too, Mr. Chairman, is because there's one, I think it was FY22, there's just one before it gets kicked off. And obviously that account, if you recall, it's a small victory, but you know we're down over 100000 on that account because of the LED lights. Yeah. So that conversion saved us a tremendous amount of money. Um, and we're hoping that that number will go down. So we're just blending that into the entire budget. So yeah. I, hope that, I hope that makes sense. No, that makes complete sense. Thank you, Councilor Jones. Councilor Pagliello? Yeah, thank you. Um, I wanted to touch upon some of those uh, wins that sometimes go unnoticed. I'm glad you got the chance to uh, list them all uh, off. That was great. Uh, one more, which is sort of another collaborative piece, but we're Tree City, uh, which is super cool. So I remember I did the parking tree. Uh, Congratulations, and, and we appreciate you for uh, taking care of our trees over time. Put them in that position. Um, I wanted to touch upon that inflation thing. Yeah, we talk about inflation in a way that okay, we have to increase uh, personnel costs in order to keep up so that they can uh, afford things. But very, very directly, um, it just increases the cost of uh, taking care of our town, um, and, and those are unavoidable costs when we talk about. Pause not being big enough. That's one direct way. Uh, inflation doesn't uh, doesn't come back down. Um, it only goes up. So we'll be chasing that uh, for a while. Uh, okay. This sort of comes and goes. Uh, but as we look for opportunities for efficiencies, I know that you guys uh, have been thinking about this. I've been on this. I'm glad that uh, Derek came in. I just happened to be be caught in a rainstorm. Uh, with a guy running a composting uh, operation and, and got into a long uh, conversation about the opportunities for municipal savings um, if we expand composting, particularly if you have a site away from residential, easily accessible off a highway, uh, which we do have. So I'm wondering um, where we're at in terms of thinking about townline composting in terms of that, and, you know, the way that the cost savings come is diverting um, food waste out of our, or really organic matter, uh, out of our, our waste stream, and we pay by the, that's like something like 45, 40% of the weight or something like that. It's, it's, it's just a weight, it's expensive. Yeah. Most of the stuff we throw away. Yeah. Um, so yeah, where where are conversations at with that? Are we we've we've been we've we've been talking about this for years, and basically part of what we're going to look at when we redevelop the recycling center is that site up there. We thought about doing the past, but at this this time, as you know, we're so crunched up there as we are, and we're still working through the state. It it, it just does not make sense to do it up there. We don't have the space. But part of when we actually finalize, it's the last project ever since I've been here was the to transfer the land from the state forest. So once we get that and you know funds become available, we go ahead and start designing the new recycling center. That is something we're considering doing up there. And it's, um, you're right, it, it would save a lot on our um, our hauling fees. It, it basically comes down to heavy weight. Right? And what we, that's, that's what we pay for. 
So um, to get rid of that could significantly um, reduce our tonnage going to wheel abrader. But on the other hand, we have to figure out um, a new hauling system, storing it up there, the, the curbside pickup, and you know some some of the folks around we first went to single stream. Just buying the carts alone, like if we we're going to offer composting to everybody in town, that's part of the enterprise system. You're looking at a million plus dollars in carts, so that would have to come up for the town to be paid off. Usually, when you're doing a new program like this, and we were one of the first to do this, this single stream with the carts, there was grant programs out there, and so some of our carts were almost half our carts were paid for by the state through grants, or we not do, or we don't do it part of the enterprise system. And you know it could be a, a, an opt that you buy it's a choice, and that would be. But as far as location, we are look, that that's our best opportunity now is when yeah. we redevelop the recycling center. Yeah, it was it was cool hearing that. I appreciate you thinking through that and sort of keeping it on the radar. It's cool hearing sort of it's one thing to have time kind of like composting, but the real savings are if you can actually have uh, a local facility. And it sounded like there's demand for local facilities in a way that they would supplement. Uh, most composting companies would help us uh, cover some of those expenses. Uh, to be candid with you, most of these places that we've looked at, it, it just comes down to, you know, you got to want to zone it, and everybody around is going to be not in my backyard, yeah. wherever you put it, because they kind of just think of rotten trash, thinking coyotes, animals, everything else. So that's why, you know, that location over there is not bad because it's up against the state bars, it's isolated, you don't have neighbors. But um, and the trucks can come in and off the highway. Correct. Not during the interceptor project. Great point. So we're looking for for anybody to, to yeah. win some money back. Um, yeah. The the other thing, and, and this is something I haven't um, dealt into quite as much, but as we're looking for you know, waste fees, um, I hear a lot of, and I was sort of pulled aside at one of the MMA conferences about um, sort of pay as you throw policies. Um, being a an opportunity to encourage the reduction of weight uh, and waste policies. What have we looked into that? What so if you talk to people pay as you throw, they would much rather have the system that we have. Yeah. Um, we we encourage um, you know recycling, which they I mean they do to a certain degree. And you pay as you throw, but um, our system is a lot cheaper. It's a lot easier. It's a lot more efficient. What happened. That's why people are going to the page and throw. But getting away from what they have right now, a lot of their systems are pay and throw because they don't have an enterprise fund and they're, they're, it's still involved in their general fund as far as that's how it's paid for. So it's competing funds. If you look at, a, um, a, you know, I've done a lot of work with like the town of Norwood. They like having their trash program in their tax base because they have such a large commercial, you know. The Toyota dealerships paying for to supplement everybody's trash pickup. We don't have that necessarily the luxury. It's more residential, so an enterprise fund makes more sense. Um, you know, because we really you have no idea when I got here. It was like the Wild West with trash. They they you could put out anything on the side of the road and they would pick it up all the time. Then we start going down the three barrels. Then we start getting rid of all the bulk burnables. We've reduced our trash that goes away so much. I, it would be hard to say to go to a, as a page program because we are we are cheap and we do restrict how much trash people put up. I mean, we're doing it now. Yeah. Appreciate that. And then the last one was uh, you know uh, <coughs> already um, identified that increase in uh, chemical expenses. 
similar to some other ones, right? We're doing this because we anticipate that it'll uh, reduce costs. It's tough to not see it, you know, where we're doing that, but we're also, it, it, you know, uh, snow and ice or uh, sand. Or no, sand is five thousand down, but we're at eighty thousand up on. We're uh, a ton up on salt, and we're eighty thousand up on chemicals. So just being able to visualize the savings. I hope that next year we or, or sort of in the supplemental that we see some of those savings, right? Because the only reason that these uh, investments are worth it, I'm glad that you're looking for them, is that they actually you know, end up saving. Yeah, we've we've tried different things, and we're not all in it. We've been going in slow because I want to see the value associated. It's, it's tough for the winter because you never know what winter you get, and some's warmer, yeah. and some's colder, and some of the the applications. You know, generally one thing I want to say about our budget, my budget, is that. The majority of budgets in town, they're about 90, 95% personnel. And I think what was hit on is here, my budget is only about 37, 38% personnel. The rest are all expenses. So, Glenn, when you brought up about, you know, our costs going up, it's because so much of that goes up because I'm just, it's like the home, you also the heating oil, everything that you buy at home, we're buying <coughs> and we're buying a lot of it. So, you know, the inflation really drove us this year and what we tried to do, we negotiate gas prices. Kathy works really hard on that. Um, we got we got about half our gas now. I think at a good price that that we should be able to bring that number down. Like hopefully I don't have to spend that money next year. But you know it happens. You know the the, the trash and recycling. I said this the other day. It costs over a hundred dollars a ton now to get rid of that commingled that, that goes out there to get rid of it. It's over a hundred dollars a ton. We used to get paid for that. We used to get paid. We made money off it. Now we're paying a hundred dollars a ton. It costs less money to burn it. It is cheaper to throw your trash. I mean, as, and economically, it would be cheaper just to burn everything. Okay, but you know, we recycle. That's the right thing to do. It's mandated by the state, but it costs us more money. So you know, we're, we're constantly juggling that stuff. The marketing issues. Facilities don't want to take. It. What's that? Facilities don't want to take it. We keep losing facilities that are willing to take our. Correct. The biggest one is glass. Believe it or not, that's the hardest one to get rid of. That's commingled. If we took the glass out of there, you know, we get money for cardboard and everything else. Glass. It's heavy to haul, fuel kites gone up and everything else, and there's not a lot of processing in it. So um, that, that's a big one in the coal mingle. Appreciate it, thank you. Thank you, Council Frangillo. Council Hamlin. Thank you, Mr. Chairman, uh, through the chair. Uh, welcome, welcome, Brutus, thank you for being here, and all the PBW folks out there in the audience. Um, I have another uh, collaboration that people can see. Uh, is the downtown bridge and the beautification that occurred last su Saturday with the downtown partnership and all of the baseball team did a fabulous job. But the DBW was there to help pick up all the trash and deliver the mulch and to make sure that everything was cleaned up. And so that's another thing that you guys do that probably people don't see that either. Um, thank you. Uh, yeah, so thank you and thank everyone um, that helped with that. It's the guys. We 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 got a really really good crew down there. You know, it's it's, it's changed through the years, and we, we, we talk about it. But uh, we got a solid staff down there. Um, that you know, I can come up with all the policies. I can come up with all the ideas, but you still need the, the folks out there to do the work, and, and, and they do. And they're 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 a great crew, and they're responsive. And uh, town's lucky to have them. They seem very um, happy to help. I would say. <laughs> um, so I, I know, you, I think most people know my favorite subject is stormwater. Um, and I get a lot of questions all the time. So I've got this question a lot recently and I thought it would be good for you to um, address it or maybe Derek or 
dog or someone. Um, so people have asked me if the stormwater utility fee that goes into effect will actually the one point I think it's what one point one million one point one million that we think it will it will um, generate. Um, thank you. Will that actually pay for all of the work that has to be done on our unfunded federal um, permit? I don't need them to tell you that. Absolutely not. It's not close. Um, there's a lot of work that, that needs it. Yeah, I think we're going into it, even we told you from the get-go, we're looking at you know, pretty much 60 plus million dollars, and that was funds that were, I don't know, seven, eight years ago and they were estimated. So, um, uh, no, it, it doesn't. We're still trying to, you know, most subs are doing, we're doing some work, but a lot of it's still planning right. where we're going to go. And, you know, I'd be kidding you if I didn't come back and I'm going to say I need some more money at some point. You know, it's coming down. We're in the process right now. We're, we're on year five and it's giving us, you know, direction where we're going to go. And kind of what we're trying to figure out is where we get our, you know, because everything's based on estimates and credits. So it's the biggest, we're going to get the biggest bang for the buck, basically. Right. And what, where we spend our money the smartest. So that's kind of where we're at. All right. So the um, and I think one of the things that a lot of people don't understand is that this federally um, this unfunded mandate that we have mm -hmm. to do things for um, the the amount of work will go will increase. Is that true? That we so so that the work that we have to get done to to match the permit that we have to follow, we have to actually do more work every year. It's not like it's going to go away. Correct. Okay. <laughs> Okay. All right. Thank you. I, we'll hope, I hope everybody like heard that, and, and uh, that helps yeah. explain it a little bit more for the people that are, are trying to understand. Yes, you are correct. Thank you. Thank you, Councilor Hamlin. Councilor Delaco. Hi, Guru. So I. Uh, okay. How are you? <laughs> um, just a couple questions. I, I know you got a good crew down there. Um, you shot? Are you shot? Any guys? We're. You, well, everything goes through we're down about three but we've had a, we've had a lot of transition we've actually been doing the last couple of months we've had some really good candidates come through so we're, we're doing pretty good we were down quite a few is I'm a little scared I know that now that fleet manager yes uh, is he gonna come internal you think I hope so we, yeah. we, we have we have a good candidate we've have I think we have a really good program down there that the folks see that um, the people that want to, you know, move up. You, you got two great guys here in the audience. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Derek and Tony. That you know, I love saying they start out as summer help, and you know, they're superintendents now. What scares me more than than anything, and this probably goes to Jamie too, is, you know, I was talking to Charlie Ryan over the over the other day, and he's running into it in Braintree. Is that now that Mass Water just gave all day guys a huge raise? Like their mechanics are up to forty eight. And DOT mechanics are like ninety-five thousand to start, so that's something that we're going to have to run into, I think, in the future. Yeah. Just quickly, Mr. Chairman, Councilor Deluca raises a great point. Obviously, compensation, but just a small success story that just came across this morning. Uh, we hired uh, filled one of those slots with actually a Franklin guy uh, and Joe. Um, He's been working in DPWs in four other, three other communities for the last nine years. But because of one of the amendments everybody made in the contract, 
about how service years could be carried over if you work in another municipality to here. I can carry mine. He single-handedly pointed out that provision in our contract, which was a management priority and the union was very receptive to it. Now we get an experienced person with eight years experience already in two or three other communities in DPWs coming to the town who lives in Franklin, raising his family in Franklin, and took the job here because he doesn't have to start back, as you know, at ground zero in year one. Right. So, you know, I think to Kobe, you know, Council for Joe, Council Hamlin, everybody's comments earlier about the little things that we're doing. No, absolutely. So there's a great piece where the bonus wasn't it. He's saving money on gas now, so the little minor pay cut, but he's still able to keep that vacation time and not lose a lot and make that transition so the guys down in the DPW are getting somebody with eight years experience, we're not getting somebody brand new. So there's a lot of little things, as you know, Councilor DeLorco, that the guys are looking for to try to figure out where they're getting their best job. So I just say that as like a little small success story. That no, that's, that's I just We just point. went through the, yeah. the process this afternoon at like four o'clock, which right. was a few hours ago, so. You know, and I hope, I hope we can get it in general. I, you know, I hope the, the uh, league manager can go in general, uh, you know, because he already knows the system. And oh, yeah. That's huge, that's, that's a huge coming from Somebody that is a fleet manager, I couldn't even see somebody coming in. I, I have over 900 pieces of, and wow, there's no way somebody could just come walking in and. and Do you want to jump? <laughs> <laughs> I'm on the end. I know. That's right. Throw it out there. Thank you, but uh, no, I just I know I was talking with Charlie, and, and he's a counselor in Braintree, and he said they're all getting a little nervous about. They got like a 15% raise. DOT got a 15% raise. So didn't um, uh, Mass Water. I mean, it hasn't come my way. So it hasn't come my way. So <laughs> it's 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 been one of the the hardest positions to fill. And one good thing about Franklin is that you know we're outside the 128 loop. Mm -hmm. So you know a couple of mechanics we've had you know come from the Rhode Island area. So they're working their way in here. And as the you know Jay mentioned traffic. One of the other guys, Franklin guy we got was, you know, he was, he was, he was working for Newton. And you start down explaining to him just the, just the quality of life. You're not driving an extra 40 minutes of traffic, you know, coming back and forth, never mind the gas and stuff like that. So that's, that is one of the good things about being out here. Our, our pool's a little farther away, but as no, time goes by. A lot of people just would rather work in their hometown. Oh, yeah. I get that. Yeah. yeah. I get that. I hope it stays that way. But yeah. I was just giving you a little heads up because I know. I know you know Charlie too, so yep. I know Charlie was talking about that, 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 they're running it too. So but hopefully we don't with that little, that little, that was a nice little story, Jamie. That made me feel better. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, it's, thank you, Council Council of Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Uh, you mentioned composting, and the school department is already doing that. Oh, yeah, yeah. And yeah. that's a great thing. It's saving all kinds of money there. But then it worried me because you said that um, where it will be left and animals and rats and whatever would be coming around, um, how would you control that, people in their houses? It's almost reminding me of years ago, we used to have a garbage man that came mm -hmm. and we had the garbage peels and they were in the ground. Well, that was probably 90 years ago. <laughs> 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 and uh, now we're coming back, we're calling it compost. We got rid of all of that stuff that way. Um, how, I know this isn't the time, it's the budget time, but that's something to talk about. 
how we would take care of things because we don't want to see, like in Boston, the rats and everything all around as far as with the restaurants and all. There, you know, there are different control measures, and yeah. um, but that's why it's, you kind of get get the right site. You know, you want you don't want any rats. Just let the coyotes run around with it. Some people get around. <laughs> <laughs> it's that whole food chain thing. <laughs> no. Okay, but, but we can talk about it another yeah. time. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Thank you, Council Plagiarism. Any other councilors? Question for DPW. I just have one comment. Um, Councilor Cormel Ledger mm -hmm. made a, a comment last night. It yeah. was very correct about at a minimum we have a hundred and. $40 million worth of infrastructure we need to repair. He also said that, um, and he is correct, that you know, people do not find water pipes, roadways, or sewer pipes sexy. I do, okay? Apologies. <laughs> 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 <Okay. laughs> it's a general statement, but I just want to let you know I do it. <laughs> okay, is there anyone in council chambers that has a question for the DPW. <laughs> Please, name and address. Steve Sherlock, 10 Lawrence Drive, Franklin Matters, and Franklin Park Radio, Public Radio. Um, not a question per se, but another piece in terms of the collaboration, appreciation, and thanks to you through the cultural district, because I'm helping them. And your, your folks did the priming for some of the electrical boxes that are now being painted as the artsy box project, which through Mass Cultural Council, Franklin Cultural Council, Franklin Cultural District, but it's eight utility boxes that as you start driving around, there's three on the common, there's some on Main Street, et cetera. There's now colors there. It's not this gray or black or whatever. They're awesome looking. So thank you for the help in that collaboration too. Thank you. A couple of them look like Judas's uh, yeah, budgeting wasn't fun. <laughs> I won this for you. <laughs> Is there anyone else in council chambers that uh, would like to or have a question for DPW? Okay. Is there anyone out in Zoom land that has any questions for DPW? Department Health is 541 Council on Aging. And that was me that held that. And, uh, let me see. Why did I hold it? Okay. Sure, I'll sit. Sarah, want to come up? Come on. Sure. Uh, hello, I'm Danielle Hopkins, the director at Franklin Senior Center, and uh, this is my new deputy director, Sarah Amaral. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Uh, Danielle, again, thank you for the presentation earlier this year and all, all the great things that are going on uh, at the Senior Center. And I don't think anybody would disagree that the Senate is probably more vibrant 
which has a lot to do with leadership. And I thank you for that. Uh, one of the things that uh, uh, we just recently passed with the second round on the capital campaign was the new van. And I just wondered if you might describe how the new van will service the community. Sure, absolutely. We're excited uh, that we're going to get a new van. Uh, I was not here, obviously, seven years ago, but I guess we had a combination with Medway that fell through. We no longer have a van. Many senior centers in the area not just have one, but multiple vans. Hopkinton, I think, has three. <laughs> um, but this bus or this Stop van. Stop begging. You don't want it. <laughs> Sorry, sorry. That uh, we're excited just for one, uh, but it's been it's been asked about. Uh, it's a huge thing that the seniors want. Um, it'll we're still gonna have Gatcher ridership, obviously. Gatcher is a huge part of how seniors get to and from the senior center and transportation in general. Um, but this we will be able to do fun things like you know field trips and senior days and all the fun things. Um, but on top of that, we have a supportive day program uh, with. Uh, people with dementia or you know disabilities and are able to come to our you know some of them are from out of town some of them are from in town Gatcher may not be able to provide the service you know to door to door they have to, you know with dementia you can't just say that's the front door and expect them to walk through it um, so this way we can you know they do help us with that um, on top of that medical appointments um, or going to something local such as Walmart or uh, What's the other thing? Market basket. <laughs> that, you know, seniors, it's a little bit more subsidized pricing. Gatcher, because we're at the very edge, that doesn't really give that opportunity. Same thing with doctor's appointments. Um, if they can't drive, they can't get to a medical appointment, but Gatcher doesn't go there. Um, so we're able to kind of help subsidize that and help provide that opportunity to go to those places. Great. Thank you, Sure. Any other questions from the council? Please, I just want to say, Jones. I just want to say how, how happy I am that the senior centers running at all. Eight cylinders, things are going really well. And, uh, welcome, by the way. Uh, I think everyone's doing such a great job at the senior center. I think that's the, the feedback from some seniors. I'm very happy with things. Good. Thanks Takes a village. Thank you. <laughs> Takes a village. I like that. Uh, Councilor Plegri. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. I love the senior center, and I enjoy going up there. I enjoy playing cat, and there are so many out of town people up there that I was surprised when I first started to go and found that out. Now you just said something about this new bus. It would be for a doctor's appointment, so we take the bus for one person. I mean, don't we have Fisher Franklin and different things like that that to be able to do appointments? I think of the bus. Um, as being field trips, you know, something like that, not considering a doctor's appointment a field trip. Yeah, well, I mean, majority is going to be field trips, but we have to look at the community needs as well, and sometimes doctor's appointments <coughs> might be on there. Hopefully we can do a shopping trip and bring them to a doctor's appointment and then pick them all up at the same exactly. time. Um, we do use sure. FISH a lot. We do use RSVP, uh, which is kind of more of a veteran's programming. Yeah. Um, we're looking to help with transportation on that end uh, with volunteers. Um, but this would help provide another opportunity, shopping opportunities, but field trips. They want to go out, they want to have fun. 
Well, I did say that I'd like to have seen a coach instead of just a small group, uh, but yes. that one didn't go very well. Maybe one of these days. <laughs> that also comes with a special driver, so. <laughs> Thank you for the job that you're doing. You both of you, it's run fantastic. Thank you very much. Thank you, Council Plagary. Uh, Councilor Cormier Ledger. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Welcome. Thank you both very, very much for everything that you do and everything that your staff does. Uh, I have the nice opportunity to be at the Senior Center quite a bit, and the energy there is fantastic. Everybody is so happy at every corner of the building. The staff, the volunteers, the residents, and it is truly a community place, which I think is pretty special. Right, we get people that I've talked to, they come from a half hour away, because their town doesn't have anything like it, doesn't offer anything like it, doesn't have the cafe, doesn't have the staff, doesn't have the, the free speaker programs, or the different you know snacks going on, or the yoga. I mean, it's, it's true, it's to your credit, and I think it's to Franklin's credit to celebrate that as an asset. Because people talk about what makes us unique as a town and where do tax dollars go and we, we have our struggles, absolutely. But we can be very, very proud of a multi-million dollar senior center that's fully staffed, that's serving thousands of people a year um, at the other end of life that need just as much care and attention as our children do. So thank you for everything that you both do and keep up the good work. Thank you very much. Thank you, Councilor Cormier-Ledger. Councilor DeLocco? Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Um, do you plan on having any volunteers uh, drive to, or is that just going to be a full-time job or a part-time job? Right now, the plan is to have a full, or right now, we plan this budget for a half-time driver, just because okay. uh, that it should be a full-time driver with a uh, administrative assistant to help organize and coordinate. Oh, that would be good. Yeah. yeah be I mean, we're uh, probably looking to volunteerism. We have a lot of them. <laughs> oh, no, <laughs> we're I, very blessed in that aspect. I, I, and you know, I, the old man at the 225th uh, town celebration. celebration, somebody told uh, at the time, town clerk collected me that I had a, a driver's license, so I had to drive all weekend <laughs> people around. It was like the Freedom Trail. <laughs> it did. <laughs> but I would volunteer to look at if you run into troubles, I'll definitely drive. I'll write your name down. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, any other counselors? Councilor Hamlin. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Uh, through the chair. Thank you both, Danielle and Sarah, for being here. Every time I go into the senior center, I feel very welcome, and everyone there is having a wonderful time. I think you have an event coming up soon. They might be volunteers for the Senior Olympics. I didn't know if you wanted to mention, talk a little bit about what you're going to do there and what, what help you need with. Sure. So uh, this uh, was something we started last year. Uh, Foxborough Senior Center had been doing it, and I heard about it, and I took, took it and ran with it. Um, this year, it's going to be a two-week event, the Senior Olympics. Mm -hmm. Um, if any of you want to participate, you're more than welcome to. Some of you, a lot of you aren't quite there. Can we do a team? We can do a team. We have a two-mile relay. That's a team. Of, like, 
Uh, but I think we have Council of Collectors <laughs> doing the first half. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I want to see what that baton says. <laughs> <laughs> um, but we have 18 different events uh, throughout the two weeks from pickleball and basketball to puzzle wars and trivia and scrabble. So, you know, it's not just physical elements, it's also some smarts. Mm -hmm. um, and then the last day of the Olympics is going to be our big barbecue and award ceremony. Um, and so I invited all of you guys to help me hand out all the different awards. Um, but if anyone's interested in volunteering to help run the different programs, or just, we're always looking for volunteers at the Senior Center. Yeah, it's going to be fun. Yeah, it sounds like a blast. Um, I know my neighbor, my neighbor did it last year. Yes, well, they were gold medal winners. winners. Yes, <laughs> gold medals. They're so excited. And the date of that, Danielle? Uh, it is June 12th to the 23rd. So the awards and the barbecue are the 23rd. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Any other questions or comments from any counselors? I go to. Okay. <laughs> <coughs> Anyone in council chambers have a question or comment uh, for the senior center? How about out in Zoom land? Any questions or comments? Don't see any. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, uh, next up, uh, department held is department 610 library. Uh, Councilor Frangillo, I think, held that, along with uh, Ryan Chen. Oh, Councilor Frangillo. Yeah, just quickly, I, this is one of the uh, spaces that we don't always get to hear the vision, uh, sort of potential wish, wish list for. There's a lot of people in town that never go to the library, and they miss out on how important the library is to how many people. Uh, people that go to the library use it for so many things. It takes care of kids. It, um, it, it takes care of our teens. We have incredible uh, staff and fantastic programming. It, it um, increases the accessibility to, for so many uh, of our residents. I mean, it, they just do a lot of uh, really important things. Um, and there's al always opportunities uh, to be better. I'm interested in um, how you guys think about sort of your vision, where you would like to be, um, if you could sort of give us any insight on that. Felicia, if you just introduce yourself. Absolutely, thank you. To you, Mr. Chairman, I'm Felicia Odi, the library director, and with me today is Kali Kip, the youth services librarian. Yes. Welcome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, thank you. I could tell you the wish list, my wish list, which will include a trip to Bermuda with all of the staff, hardworking staff. <laughs> <laughs> how incredible they are. But yes, we do have one. And it, the reason you don't hear about the library is because it's within the context of the strategic plan. We have a five-year strategic plan. And you already have outlined all the fantastic things that are going on in the library because thank you you use us, you know. Many people do not use us and we are aware of that. We do a, strategic, a survey every year asking people, do you use us? If you do not use us, what would make you use us? Many people want us to come to them, you know, because 
their assisted living facilities in Franklin, mm -hmm. they cannot come to us. Here is the problem. See, since we did the addition, our footprint has increased. As you are well aware, this budget is 0.6% down compare, if we compare it to the town budget. Previous years were all 1%, sometimes we're a little over 1%. But our footprint has increased, staffing levels have remained stagnant, and our programming and productivity has skyrocketed. I can give you a few examples. <coughs> Circulation is up 33%. Programming, which is all Cali is doing, we moved from 30 programs a month to almost 121 programs a month. That's every month, that's what she puts out. In addition to that, she's in the schools. So there are school visits, they do weekly school visits or in all of the schools, but? Oh, yeah, yeah. so um, we are in all three middle schools every single week. Uh, this is our BLAST program, which stands for Bringing Libraries and Students Together. Um, so we start the year off with library card drives. So this is at um, Horace Mann, Annie Sullivan, and Remington. Uh, we've also expanded uh, a little bit into the fifth grades at um, uh, Keller and Oak Street and are in talks with some of the other schools for next year, which we're really excited about. But yeah, we start with a library card drive and then um, we actually come with a mobile library. Uh, we've got our scanner, we've got our laptop, um, and we bring carts of books for the kids. And it's just a great way to meet the middle schoolers um, where they are, you know, like, you know, in the cycle of extracurriculars and, and homework and all the other stuff going on, it's really great to meet them on their turf and kind of introduce ourselves and, and get them sort of, you know, when you're younger, you're like in the cycle, you're in the weekly routine of coming to the library and story times and everything, but um, just kind of reintroducing ourselves and, and promoting a culture of reading. And then when they're teens, they, they remember us and they come back and do their volunteer hours and, and we get to stay part of their lives. So, yeah. Pretty great. <laughs> so, so. The library visits have increased 311%. Yesterday, if anybody was at the library, Kobe, I know you were, we had a, a health fair. Just in the three hour period where we ran that program, we had over 688 people come through. So it is very busy. Kali was working, I was working, everybody on staff, all hands on deck. So that's the thing when you have a small staff is in that when you run these programs in the building, you have to have everybody at the ready to serve because people do come. Summer is coming, it's our busiest time of the year, and I have to tell you that the building is already too small. Kylie's gonna run all of our programs outside because you get 500 or more people, there is no way to fit them. The other good news is that Dean College has offered us their facilities. This summer will be the first time we test that in that in the past when we had programs outside and it rained, then we had nowhere to go. Now we can use them as a backup because they have huge auditoriums that will work well for the kinds of crowds she will be drawing this summer. This past year, which I expect to go up, attendance at programming was up for adults 68% for children, 124%, and for teens, the group that we really are happy to see in the library, attendance at programs was up 934%. It shows that she is doing something right. But here is the problem. What is the wish list? What's in the strategic plan? We would love to have 
Well, we need, not love to have, we need more professional staff. This is a department of two, and in all that she's doing, to ask any more will really, well, something is gonna have to give. And for all of us who know Kali, if anything is going to give, we know it better not be her. <laughs> <laughs> so we need more people. It should be a department of five, really, for all the work they do. And then we, with the strategic plan of taking the library really to the people where they are, we can really begin to write out the objectives and the task of how we do it. So in the strategic plan now, we say we will explore. We know where the people are because they've told us. They say, come to us, bring the programs to us because sometimes we forget. People don't have a means of getting to the library. So that's a plan. For us to do it, we're gonna need more staff. We need more money for our collections. We need to keep expanding the collections and to keep the collections relevant and current all of the time. We have collections in a million different formats. That's where the people are. That's what the people want to see, and we are here to meet the needs of the people. You know? We also do need to expand our hours. When we do these surveys, people tell us they want us to be open seven days a week. We are almost there with a little bit money, a bit more money, and planning down the road, as you say, the vision is to be open, to give our residents who work an opportunity also to enjoy some of our services and our programs. So that's a few, and of course, Jenny, we're gonna need a bigger building down there. <laughs> 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 Add the card, check out. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Thank you. No, I mean, that was uh, incredible and powerful and, and very helpful to hear. You need a bigger pot. You need a bigger pot. And, and I, I feel myself getting emotional. I, 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 you touched upon, uh, <laughs> man, we have so many people that do so much uh, to make our town a better place. Um, if I could duplicate one person in this town to have the largest marginal impact on making uh, Franklin better, uh, it would be Callie. Yes. And, uh, yeah. Yes. She, she does so much to. Uh, <laughs> 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 yeah. It's true. We need more money. Yeah. We need more money. We can make uh, we can make Franklin a, a much much better place instead of overstressing. Uh, the very few uh, hard workers that we have. Thank you, Councilor Frontier. Jamie? Just one thing that um, Felicia did not touch on that is another one of those success stories um, that you know, she'll agree with. If we fast, if we rewind back five years, Felicia? Yeah. Right, four years, five years, six years? Part-timer. Yeah. So when people are saying, wait, how are they getting all this done? One of the strategic ideas that Karen and the library and I have really put forward is the idea of you know, always we hear about health benefits is the problem, right? Yeah. That's the cost driver, and this is not any criticism of anybody else, but we have made that investment to say we need full-time folks. We need to invest in folks that have higher level education degrees, and we've done that, and now Felicia has a full-time, full staff. I think we definitely need more people, 
but I think over the last five years, I don't want to let it go unnoticed. How are they doing this? That has been a very, very critical piece of this. And all of the staff down there, I think, are uh, exuberant with that policy change, and I think we've tried to do the best we can in collective bargaining. Um, as everybody knows, um, some of the least paid people in this town were our library employees. And we have been able to make a significant change in that over the last several years. So I just want to make a, a note of those things that we have been chipping away at this issue slowly but surely over the last several years. And I'm just glad to see that the impact is there. Thank you. Thank you, Dean. Thank you. I'll for Joel. Councilor Jones. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Um, Mr. Chairman, through you to Jamie. Um, refresh my memory a little bit, uh, Jamie. I, I know it was probably around eight years ago or something like that when we started getting threats from the state that we to go in to fund the library at the appropriate level. Um, how will we stay with this $1,092,000 in cars that, as far as the state is concerned? with whether or not we're meeting their desired funding, appropriate funding. Uh, through you, Mr. Chairman, great question by Councilor Jones. Um, uh, I think again, I, I, you're right, I think it's five, six years ago, Felicia, maybe five. Um, five. Before that, we were not hitting what's called MAR. Uh, I think that's what you're referring to, Councilor Jones. For five consecutive years, I still think it's six, but maybe five consecutive years, we have hit that MAR number. But I think to Councillor Frangillo's point, and yours as well, that's the, that's the minimum. It's, there's a little bit over, right? But basically, this is the number that satisfies us from not being on the waiver list yeah. in that class of communities we don't want to be in. And we've made that commitment, and we've been able to, importantly, sustain that commitment, right? And I think partly that's because of the transition in the part-timers to full-time staff making sure we have enough in benefits to be able to cover those. And I think to Councilor Frangillo's point and everybody, you know, obviously Felicia's, you know, hopefully in the next uh, several years, by the end of the decade, if not sooner, we can try to lay the groundwork towards meeting those goals um, so that Cali will have more bandwidth and the rest of the staff to be able to do the amazing things that they're doing. Yes. I hope that, I think that answers your question. So, yeah, okay, five, we would have five. Five, years. I'll go with five. Yeah, this will be the six. This will be the six. Okay. 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 Yeah, it's good not to have them beating down our necks. Yeah. Well, they penalize you. Yeah. yeah. It's the most, it's ridiculous. I mean, the formula is like 100 years old. You know, it dates back to like, what, Felicia, 1888 or something like that. They've never modernized it, which on the one hand is a good thing and a bad thing. I think they could probably modernize it a little bit, but um, politically that's very challenging. Well, we've, we've met that commitment and we don't, we do not have them breathing down our necks. Good, because yeah, if my memory serves me right, my first budget, 2009-2010, the library was probably only getting funded at approximately 250,000. One last question. If you could ask for a wish list or, or, or anything else that would make the library that I'm adding more hours and more staff. Um, in another building. In another building. Yeah, plan. Remember last night's presentation? If you could turn the library into what's already wonderful, wonderland, what else do you think would be uh, a bonus? And we, we have a good chairman who's good at building buildings. <laughs> <laughs> <So>. One more. 
National Honor Society and the French National Honor Society in past years to do bilingual story times. Um, we weren't able to get them on the schedule as regularly, yeah. Um, but yeah, no, we'd love to. I mean, even just the list because ESL. Uh, it's the list of activities so they know what's going on. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Thank you. Yeah. We'll do that. <laughs> Thank you, Councilor Sheridan. Councilor Comey Ledger. <laughs> Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Thank you for being here. Just to echo what everybody said. You do a great job. Beautiful facility, beautiful staff. So great to hear the numbers. Particularly great to hear about the collaboration with Dean. Um, we all you know, keep hearing about their willingness to be more part of the community, and I'm glad to hear that you're taking them up on it. Um, I would hope, this is more of a cross-departmental plug, but I would hope with some of the challenges that our friends at, on the school side are having with funding librarians in our schools. I hope maybe there's an opportunity for some collaboration with your team to bring some of those services to the kids until that problem can be figured out. Yeah, I guess that's, yeah, that last is sort of the first phase of that, for sure. Um, you know, it started with Horace Mann, with Erin um, O'Leary, the literacy specialist, just saying like, we don't have, our collections aren't, you know, we just don't have the budget that we do to 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 um, provide newer titles and you know more buzzworthy collections. So that that kind of blast was born from that sort of 
just those conversations, and it was like, well, we you know we can do that. We can and we can swing, and it is a. a it has expanded. It's it's unwieldy, but we're you know, we're having a lot of fun with it. We're making it work, and we're gonna, you know, keep trying to see how we can get into to more classes. We also do um like book tastings. Um, I am doing my summer reading hype tour right now, so we're trying to get into every single elementary school just to get in front of parents' eyes to be like, hey, look, you know, you you know how important reading is over the summer to prevent the summer slide. Schools want you to do it. We want you to do it, and we're gonna. You know, reward you uh, for doing it with our really cool summer reading program, which we sort of built in house this year, which we're really excited about. So, um, sign ups are June seventeenth. Thank you for that. Would there be a possibility, um, Jamie, for maybe some of our um, resident work off programs for seniors? Like, could this be a volunteer opportunity <coughs> where they could maybe do some librarian stuff at the schools to, in collaboration with Felicia and her team? Would that be a possibility? I can't say no, <laughs> but uh, I'm trying to think of who would be the applicant uh, to do that. Um, we've offered the senior tax work off program to the school district. Uh, I don't know if they've taken advantage of it. Um, we'd have to just talk about that logistics of that, and make sure yeah. you know, make sure that the through solutions, <laughs> yeah, the appropriate you know people that are interested in that are, are involved and stuff like that. But I think it's something that. Uh, Callie Bobner had it looking at me and saying yes, so I'll yeah. say yes. <laughs> Everything's figure outable, right? That's what we like to That's definitely what we Okay, thank you, Brad. Again, yeah. thinking outside the box, I love yes. it. Councilor Chandler. Through you, Mr. Chairman. Hi, ladies. Hello. You have a great staff, Felicia, you really do. And, um, this council asked two incredible questions on this one this year. I actually, I enjoyed that. So I'm glad I'm almost at the end here. But when I did hold it, it was basically for the numbers. Because as a department head, people need to know that you really are the unsung hero of the department heads because when it comes to the numbers, your budget went down. I don't know if we can say that about anybody else, but you actually came in under. And we appreciate that. And you, I don't know how you did it. I tried to look, but I'll have to come down and uh, sit with you guys and figure that out. But thank you again for all that. And everybody really enjoys the library. It's that easy. Thank you. We appreciate you guys. Thank, thank you, Councillor Chandler. Any other counselors? I just have one, and I'll make it as short as I possibly can. Uh, just a, a quick little story. I uh, was meeting with the president and dean and president Elmore uh, and I were talking about some different things and he mentioned to me that he was in Boston at a, a seminar with all college presidents from all over talking about their district their colleges and what things they have and what they don't have and he told me he stood up and he said you know I have the oldest lending public <laughs> library on my campus. Wow. And he said, I have a fence between us and them. <laughs> <laughs> Two days later, yes. the fence came down. Oh, it's been great. <laughs> yeah. Yes. And it's great. Uh, That's mm -hmm. true. How do I want to talk to you about that? So it's Okay. Is there anyone in council chambers that would like to Please. <laughs> it's a bit unusual, but Steve Sherlock, Ted Lawrence Drive, Franklin Madden, Franklin Funk Radio. <clears throat> Just to add to a couple of points, and 
one of the problems we do have is multiple calendars. And respectfully, their activity list on the calendar is so big, it can't fit into the community calendar that we do have. And respectfully, the other one is the senior center because their activities are so big, they have separate calendars. So we start with the cultural district calendar, add the other community events, but excluding the library and the senior center, and then obviously the school committees, town meetings are separate. So there's five calendars for people to really find out what's going on. People should just be aware of that. If you look at one calendar, it's not the whole story because some of these departments are just so busy. The other piece we'll have to figure out, I know the town page has the option to translate. So there are multiple language options in that already. Um, I have to make sure other sources of that, and from a radio, TV, communications perspective, that's another piece. I've already met with the Disability Commission to find out and make sure we can do more to create access to the information we create. So thank you for the translation in mind as well. Thanks. Thank you. Is there anyone else in council chambers with a question on Department 610 Library? Is there anyone out in Zoom land that has a question on 610 Library? Thank you very much. Thank you. Okay, moving on. Next department held 630, uh, <coughs> Recreation Department. And I want to first, uh, I held this department, and I want to apologize to Ryan because I know his son had a big game tonight, and he's here, and I held, I, I, I held it because I think it's important for the community to hear what's going on at the Recreation Department. So, please. Thank you, thank you. I'm Ryan Jetty, Recreation Director. Um, having the busiest year that I can remember in the uh, 24 years I've been with the town. Our revenues have continued to impress me even. Um, you know, we're at about 565,000 before we even get into May and June, which is really a busy time for us during um, summer camp registration. We've, uh, we've signed up over 6,300 kids so far this year, so that's great. And um, we've got some great projects that we're working on right now with Mason Street, and as Brutus mentioned, Beaver Pond is upgraded. And we've got a few more on the horizon, so it's an exciting time for us. Happy to answer any questions anyone has. Council DeLocco. I just do this every year, because I am on the Recreational Committee, but uh, and I see what he does all year long. Um, along with all the uh, youth sports. Um, we have a real, real good youth sports organization here. And, uh, I'm at that meeting every month and they're, they're trying to make things better for the kids every time. And, and uh, it's just pretty, pretty amazing. Like the King Street, we're gonna get lights down King Street, that's all. That's. You know, that's a lot of the recreational people helping out, doing all that stuff. That stuff goes unnoticed, um, and it shouldn't. But uh, you know, they're all ready to put money into it, ready to you know, ready to do it. That's that's awesome. And as far as I'm concerned, Ryan is the best one in the state, uh, best recreational director in the state because he really cares for the kids and he wants to make sure that that they get the best for their bang. 
And uh, that's all I'm saying. I do it every year, Ryan. I bring you up every year just so that. <laughs> I wouldn't let you go to your kids' games. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 I did call. We did call him today and give him the opportunity to. No. I wouldn't miss this. <laughs> <laughs> Councilor Jones. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Um, Jamie, uh, Mr. Chairman, through you to Jamie, correct me if I'm wrong, the Recreation Department is still oh, yeah. the only budget line item that is actually self-funded through fee bases and everything else, correct? That's correct. That every well, single time. Actually, besides more, the assessor. A little more than <laughs> recently, I think, you know, I think we've always said we're in that like 5% above, below. You know, it's never exactly dollar for dollar. I mean, yep. pretty darn close um, sometimes. And I think just to Ryan, what he said, you know, I think um, the key is continuing to be nimble and adapt to what the demands are. Uh, it's constantly changing programs for that. And I think the revenue receipts uh, back that up. But aside from the money piece, which is always important, think about the impact it has on Without a doubt, um, Mr. Chairman, through you, just to Ryan, your total compilation of full-time staff is just three of us. every time I hear that, it just blows my mind. Just the just the enormity of your programs, the diversity of the programs that you have, the variety of programs that you have, and the fact that your um, your self-funded um, line item on the budget every single time I hear that. And see, look back on such wonderful recreation facilities that we have throughout the town, and some of the really clever ideas that your group comes up with, mm -hmm. from the, 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 the kind donation from the Boston Bruins with the, with the park over Fletcher yeah. Field, um, to different types of playgrounds and stuff that we have around the community. It's just, it's just, uh, it's just such an amazing thing to see. Yeah, we have a great team. Um, you know, again, I can't do it all by myself. Oh, so. Okay. With Kim and Sean and Sheila in the office, they do a great job. And really, we, we utilize so many volunteers. I mean, most of our coaches are volunteers, and they do such a great job. And we, I don't want to take credit for all the great things that are happening in town. We just, we're kind of the hub that kind of orchestrated it all, and we just have a lot of great people helping out. So, and, and you're right. I want to thank the volunteers, too. I was a volunteer soccer coach for my kids. Yep. And, and it's true, lots of parents. Hey, I don't know why about soccer, especially how parents can be on the sideline. Well, one time we had 5,000 kids involved in youth sports. Yeah. The numbers have gone down because of the club sports and a lot of kids going elsewhere, but um, the numbers are still great. And um, we just get a lot of a lot of great interdepartmental help, too. You know, uh, the DPW helps us out a lot. You know, uh, we couldn't do it without them, so kudos to those guys. That's great. Yeah. And, and by the way, I have to also bring, oh, wait, bring is she here today? She's not. Uh, love the videos yeah. that you and, you, you and her put together for the, for the recreation and open space yep. portion of what's going to ultimately be that part of the master plan. Um, the, the outreach, the public input, and, mm -hmm. and all the efforts that you both have put into making that possible. Um, that's probably going to be a big part of the master plan that's actually going to set the groundwork for them. So thank you for all that hard work. Thanks. In addition to the collaboration with the schools in the athletic department at the schools, yep. uh, that coordination and collaboration is really a great thing. And, uh, it's a win-win for everybody. Mm -hmm. Councilor Sherry. 
Hey Ryan, uh, thanks for Nason Street. The neighbors are all excited about opening it up. And the last time we talked, we talked about making uh, machining, making canoes at some of the lakes. Hydro raking? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we're working on that right now. We're doing okay. intent. Um, Brooke down at DPW has helped us get that put together. Right. So this summer we'll be doing that. Okay. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Councilor Hamblin. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Um, another thing, Ryan, is the community garden. You mm -hmm. even mentioned that, that you take care of. And um, I want to thank you for that. You do a lot of work. Your staff is always helpful. Um, I'm just wondering if you have any more um, CPA um, idea, ideas for some really cool projects out there. I'm sure you're thinking about <laughs> I was wondering if you could tell us about a couple. Of, he probably has like enough for like the oh, next 20 years. <laughs> well, as everybody knows, Nason Street was our first CPA yeah. project, uh, $300,000 for that. That's very exciting. Yeah, and um, we have a couple that are actually on the second half of this uh, meeting, which we're looking to improve, uh, put a new school board down at Beaver Pond, press box for the high school teams. Uh, looking at redoing the Fletcher Field playground, making that ADA accessible. Mm -hmm. Right now, it has wood chips we'd like to put in the port in place right. while we're adding some new equipment. Um, and then, uh, you know, just there's a laundry list. King Street Memorial Park, we have a whole bunch of things we'd like to do down there. Adding on to pickleball, uh, new building um, for the summer camp. Um, and then Daisy uh, Community Field needs a new playground that's starting to age. So, um, yeah, just looking down the road, I, I see a lot of things that are, are starting to deteriorate. Um, a lot of these things that I did 20 years ago that are now having to, to them. redo them again. Yeah. Great. So, thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Councilor. Thank you, Councilor Any other counselors? Is there anyone out in? the council chambers that has a question or comment for Department 630 Recreation. Is there anyone out in Zoom land? Uh, yeah, hi, Zoom land. I was there live last night, but it was a little stuffy. It's <laughs> <laughs> my track coach right there. <laughs> please, please uh, name and address, please. For making up for all the middle school level sports and programs that um, the public schools can't offer because they don't have enough money. Thank you. Thanks for everything you do, Stacy. <laughs> Amy, I think we have some people online that can't get in. I think there's one waiting. Yeah. I want to say hi. Oh, I think uh, is there anyone else in Zoom land that uh, has a question or a comment? Ryan, thank you very much. Thank you, Ryan. Thanks for all you're doing. What's the score? I haven't got that yet. <laughs> uh, okay. Uh, and we'll move on. The last item held was 695 Cultural Council, and Councilor Jones held that. Uh, it was just a really quick question, Mr. Chairman, through you to the town administrator. Just the increase of uh, percentage-wise, it's, it's a considerable increase. Money-wise, it's a ridiculously small money. But it, like the same question I have for council, why almost double? Just to the public yeah. Mr. Chairman. So at least it's his, you know, been trying to work on this for a couple of years um, and just trying to get a couple things in there. One, I do think it's appropriate that if we're looking at having a town-sponsored cultural festival. 
I know that a lot of folks and volunteers like the energy of going out and raising funds and soliciting funds and fundraising, whatever people want to do. Um, you know, in my view, uh, it, while the cost doesn't come up uh, fully here, um, I think this is something that obviously the community has to keep an eye on in the future and at least put some level of funding and seed money into it to relieve the volunteers, in my view, um, from having to go out and do all that. It's just a lot of work, and it's thankless work, and it's tough work to fundraise. I know when, you, when you're successful, it's great, but um, it's really tiring. Um, and number two, but however, without the um, cultural festival uh, for this year, if the budget's approved, obviously a public arts director would oversee a lot of this. Um, in future years, but I think it, it's no secret that the Cultural Council frequently gets double, triple, or more um, grant requests every year, and um, you know I think um, you know the fact that a lot of these grants are five hundred dollars, two hundred dollars, eight hundred dollars—they're small amounts. Um, but for those of you that have been to the award ceremony or talked to the folks that apply or been to the Cultural Council meetings, um, not just the last two years, but like the last like ten years. Um, you know, even when Stacey David chaired uh, the committee, um, you know, you could just feel a lot of the excitement of that $800. If you feel like you're giving them $800,000 oftentimes um, with the excitement. And so um, this is just a small investment to kind of, again, kind of wedge it into the tax levy, you know, kind of permanently and making that kind of value statement that we need to kind of you know, up that amount a little bit. Uh, it's kind of kind of goes along with the theme of the town administrator's budget proposal, which is really trying to make sure that everybody's kind of getting some sort of slice uh, of the pie um, to make sure that uh, with the competing demands that we heard from last night, um, that everybody's kind of getting a little bit of something. Obviously, with I didn't anticipate, this budget came out, I believe, right around when it was announced the cultural festival was going on. But I've uh, made the case, I hope, that uh, even in absence of that, um, I'm pretty sure the Cultural Council can use the additional funds mm -hmm. uh, to give out more grants. So I think we've heard about this also a little bit on the arts tour, not as much, but um, I think we've heard, I think most of you have heard things about this uh, through the last several years. Thank you. Thank you. Mr. Chairman, it's also gives me an opportunity to bring up the fact of the unfortunate, um, of the unfortunate fact that the Cultural uh, Festival Returning this year, that's, that's really, really disheartening. That was a really well received event last year. I was very impressed with the amount of work that went into that and how it was well received by the communities and communities because we had people from all over Massachusetts um, and Rhode Island come up to, to the cultural festival that year. Um, I know Kay Kelly had stepped down as the chair. Um, I hoped that they would have been something this year, it's unfortunate that there's not, but I do hope that this could be resurrected um, through volunteerism and through additional support from the town and the community as a whole to potentially bring this back because it was really a wonderful event. And anything we can do to support the Cultural Council and of course uh, culture in the town, in the community, is, is this is the least that we can do. So that's about it, Mr. Chairman, thank you. Thank you, Councilor Jones. Any other questions or comments, uh, Councilor Comey Ledger? Thank you, Mr. Chairman. It's just really more of a comment. Um, having sat on the Cultural Council for a couple of years, I can say the the need is there, and it's nice to see 
the dollars that get put forth from the town to support the arts. We get some state money that comes in for grants, but to be able to show the state that there's local contribution and we're not just allocating state funds is very important. Um, and that money, whether it's going to help the festival or going to maybe boost some other grant requests. I mean, I remember one year we had 65 grant requests that we were looking through and we had to turn down about half the applicants because there just wasn't the funding. So it'd be nice to sh slowly chip away at that. Um, and one of the great things to, to sort of talk about collaboration again with our schools is many of our schools apply to the Cultural Council for grants for music programs to come to the school and perform or artists to come to the schools and perform. So I think as we're talking about ways to maybe solve some of the issues in front of us, I think that should be encouraged and whatever help we can give to those uh, folks in the schools to write those grants for the committee to look at, I think we should do that. So thank you. Thank you, Councilor Comey-Ledger. Any other councilors? Is there anyone in council chambers that has a question on 695 Cultural Council? And is there anyone out in Zoom land? And yes, there is. Uh, Kay, if you'd just unmute yourself and name and address, please. Hi, Kay Kelly, 5 Calistoga Way in Franklin. I just uh, wanted to chime in and say thank you. Uh, I, I didn't realize that um, I, I'm no longer with the, the Cultural Council, but the extra 10,000 certainly can be used. Uh, every year we, we I, I think the year that Ted was in the Cultural Council, we did have 60. It was the year before the pandemic, and that's uh, then it went much lower, and we're regaining again. I think we might have had 40 this year, and certainly we did turn, turn some down. And also, as the Cultural District becomes more and more organized, um, there's a lot of funding to be given out to them. That was something we dealt with this year in terms of making sure everybody there got a piece of the pie. That was definitely a big part of our conversation this year. So uh, I just wanted to say thank you. And in terms of the festival, uh, we are just calling it an intermission. I am the reason we're not having a festival. I just, I couldn't do it. And um, it's kind of a one woman show often and it is a full-time job it, it's once one is over you start the, for the next one so uh until we can regain the the volunteers that we need hopefully that will be this year hopefully it's just an intermission i agree it was well received and um uh, had so much to offer the town I, I think it's a really important piece of us moving forward um uh, highlighting diversity just coming together as a community so i do hope it's something that we we can come back to and uh, you know this year I do think the cost of the festival got close to 50 which was not but you know I think we started at 20 for the first year it did creep up quite a bit but certainly that ten thousand dollars it does help I was the person having to go out and try to get donations by selling flowers and trying to put a festival on and doing that was just way too much way way too much so even just knowing uh, I think Jamie just called it seed money. It is a huge help. So thank you for uh, considering that for the future. Thank you, Kay. Okay. Uh, is there anyone else in Zoomland that would like to speak on 695 Cultural Council? Okay. 
Seeing no one, that concludes all of the held departments. Uh, so uh, at this juncture, we, we are required uh, to have two public hearings on uh, the, but the annual budget. So I will declare the continuation of the first public hearing on FY24 Town of Franklin budget closed. And now I declare the second public hearing on the FY24 Town of Franklin budget open. And we're gonna do this a little bit differently because we're not necessarily required. So we are not gonna go line item by line item, department by department. I'm going to reach out to the council and ask the council if they have any questions of any departments that were not asked last night that they would like to ask now during this second public hearing is when I'd like you to ask them. So I'm just gonna go kind of right down the road here. So Councilor Cormier-Ledger, do you have any questions of any department? Yes. Um, Mr. Chairman, yesterday you had made a question to the school department, which is yep. went unanswered. Are we covering that now? Well, I was going to, oh, but oh, well, that's okay. No, it's fine. I, I, uh, and, and I think the schools might have a few questions. So, uh, Lucas, if you and Miriam want to uh, please come forward. Hello again. Welcome. <laughs> it doesn't seem like you to just send them So, Councilor Cormier, I believe the question Lucas yesterday was about the um, the reserves and you know sort of the, the the balance and the plan for it going forward in your budget. The revolving. Yeah, it was the revolving yes. question where I asked what it was in the end, what it will be at the end of FY twenty three. And then I stepped out and said, what would it be? What do you project it to be for FY24? Didn't expect you to have the answer. We're prepared, uh, obviously. Sure. So, Thank so Mary. You. Uh, so um, the FY23 uh, revolving accounts anticipate ending um, in somewhere in the $8.1 million range at, at this point. Um, and that's not including food service. Food service is self-sustaining. So. They don't support the budget. Um, they don't contribute towards the budget with the exception of um, health insurance, which they, as of last year, were able to afford. Um, and uh, FY24 year end is anticipated to be about $5.9 million. We have $7.1 million um, anticipated to be used towards the FY24 budget. Um, and we will also pick up uh, about four and a half million, four point seven million uh, in FY twenty four, which would bring us to a balance of four, five point nine million. Okay, and, and I guess that was where I was headed with the question. Was obviously one of that eight point whatever eight million dollars. Did you project to use in your FY twenty four uh, numbers? And my, what yeah. I'm understanding, if you net say, if I understood what you said, the net net is kind of 
by $3 million would be the change from FY, because you said eight million yes, yes, and then five million. So you're using roughly $3 million during uh, the, that fiscal year. Sure, go ahead. Yep. Uh, for that particular uh, year. For the purposes of the public listening and for everybody here, can you just help us understand how that fund gets money? Like, is that? Yes. I mean, well, I'm, yeah, sure. I'm, I'm sure it's complicated, but I think yeah. people ask us that all the time, and I don't know how to answer. We'll start something. Yeah, so revolving accounts are established through Mass General Law, and you approve the balances on an annual basis, the napkin balances on an annual basis. Um, they are fee-based accounts, so money is charged to uh, participants for a fee for whatever the activity might be, whether it's athletics or um, partaking in a before or after school program through lifelong learning, um, or an extracurricular activity, or transportation, things like that. So the money goes into those particular revolving accounts. They're not commingled. The total that you got was a total of all of them. There are major revolving accounts that contribute towards the budget, and there are some that don't contribute towards the budget that um, pay for services on a, on a regular basis, like food service, for example, like um, on lifelong learning, which contributes a very small portion towards the administrative expenses that um, that uh, we do and um, that the Rangel Public School supports the program for. Um, but overall, the fees that are collected for those programs have to be used to cover the expenses for those programs. Does that help? Yes, um, but I think you also said that some of that money was now going to be put in to support the budget for FY24? Yes. Correct? So In those categories. So, but it's, it's basically only supporting the categories within the revolving. Like, that doesn't really go over to help, say, teacher salaries or something like that. Um, I just want to understand, because what, what I've heard from folks, which I think is inaccurate, when they say there's an $8.1 million surplus in the school budget, that's not an accurate statement. Right. That's correct. That's not an accurate statement in that the surplus is not in the school budget. You set the budget on an annual basis, and whatever we get is what we spend, or it, whatever might not be what might remain unspent at the end of the fiscal year would fall to free cash and go into the town's general fund at the end of the year. Mm -hmm. The revolving accounts revolve. Mm -hmm. From, from year to year, the money raised in those accounts is used to offset particular line items within the budget. There are um, examples where uh, a revolving account could be used for to fund salaries of one is at the preschool. We collect tuition for from parents to um, pay for preschool services, um, for classrooms, for preschool classrooms, and we use the funds from that revolving account to support teaching staff, um, therapeutic staff, uh, and supply the materials when there might be a need for a new classroom. Uh, and we do that through the reclassification process through the school committee. So the school committee is aware of what is coming into the account um, and what they are reclassifying from the charges from the budget to the revolving account. Okay, and my, my second question, in fiscal year 23, 
How many vacancies did we have as a school department? Um, at the beginning of the year, we had far more vacancies. We filled some of them over the course of the year. I can't tell you exactly how many there are right now. I can tell you that there are quite a few um, uh, paraprofessional vacancies that remained unfilled. Some of the positions were filled just this year with folks um, from an agency when we weren't able to fund positions, and they, um, unfortunately, that was at a much greater cost. Um, and we don't generally, and we don't generally look to fill positions with agency staff. But when we post a position multiple times and can't find a qualified candidate to fill that position. We still need somebody in front of students or nursing services on a van or whatever that need might be. So are you anticipating when FY23 closes that the salary line will then send quite a bit of money to free cash for unfilled vacancies or, or no? Like has that money been spent because you had to hire part-time staff or expensive uh, contracts staff? I just want to understand the, you know, kind of how that all works. Sure, so whatever salary line items might be, uh, might have availability, um, some, of those, some of those funds will get transferred to cover the cost of the contracted services through those agencies. You know, I might be paying an agency $80 an hour for a, a, a therapist, whereas if I employed that therapist, it might be at a much lower rate. Um, so, so I don't, I budgeted for a full-time therapist for salary that I now have to pay potentially quite a bit more to an agency to cover that cost. If, if I might help just yeah. to uh, maybe cut to the chase a little bit, I think where the question might be headed is, let's say the last three years, has there been a surplus that has gone back to free cash? Uh, generally, we try to minimize the surplus bring, right. going back to free cash. Right. So, minimal, if any. Yes. Okay. Which is, which we try is, to spend the budget that you allocate. Yeah, and, and I totally understand that. Yeah. But I, I didn't want people to be confused that uh, there was money going back to free cash. There's a bottom That's line. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, and I, I, Certainly, we would spend it, or you should spend it. No, yeah. sure. I, I certainly appreciate that, Mr. Chairman. Um, Not looking to leave money on the table. No, none of us are. Nor, nor, nor should. Uh, and this, and this, I think we sort of have to touch on the elephant in the room while we have you both here, because you <laughs> alluded yesterday to. to some pink slips that went out, and obviously we're, we're getting calls and emails about people that found out that they no longer have a job with the school come the end of the year. So can you, Lucas, can you talk a little bit to, to that and who was affected and maybe what the plan is should some state money come? Like, will this be, some of those people can be hired back or, you know, I, I wanna, I think the public is looking for that information too, but I think it'd be very helpful for us. I can share, Abroad, I can share broadly. Um, just as as you heard yesterday, um, you know we had to not renew 24 staff members. Ten were involuntary transferred due to um, just movement due to con contractual um, scenery. Um, so that that was a that that happened on Wednesday, Wednesday before obviously this meeting. Um, 
out of respect for the individuals, I certainly can't get into like who and what. <laughs> no, no, no. no I, don't I don't think you're asking me that either. Just know what we're doing. So, um, we. Um, the second part of your question was if if we received any kind of funding to come back, would we bring back um, staff? The answer mm -hmm. is, you know, we would we would look to bring back some of our staff. I think there are some positions within that that were enrollment driven. So I wouldn't want to get I wouldn't want to be on record of saying every single thing that we we analyze the budget every year. We look at what's what what is working. What are we doing? Um, this particular um, budget put us in a real deeper um, cut than I think we well not that I think that we uh, want to be in for the services that we hope to provide. Uh, but every year we look at what the, our what our contracts are, what what um, enrollment. Is driving as far as um, positions that we need, and uh, this year we had to we had to dig a little deeper. So certainly there would be positions that we would um, look to bring back from that. Absolutely. And the um, the students that we heard from yesterday, and obviously the parents that we heard from yesterday, concerned about mm -hmm. future program cuts, particularly in the arts and the music. Can you? Because uh, we did, you didn't unfortunately you didn't get the opportunity to talk too much last night because mm -hmm. it got late and time went over. But if you could talk a little bit and. Maybe you can't give them assurances, but maybe you could talk about plan or just kind of be able to answer some of those students and parents. Sure. So, and I've been emailing. I think I've copied a few of them on certain you know, emails. I've been trying to get to um, emails in the order in which they come. I sound like one of those um, telemarketers. But um, <laughs> I've really, I've really tried to send a personal email back to um, folks. Um, we, I share an interest in trying to preserve our programs that we have. Unfortunately. Um, I'm in the position we have to make um, tough decisions, and I'm not into performative moves or measures like um, to. I, I know Mr. Chandler used the word threaten yesterday about I'll use for football. Certainly not interested to throw out things that we're not serious about doing. We look at our enrollment first, and we try to say if we're going to field the team, how many people do we need uh, to do the work to educate students? Unfortunately, um, I think for music, I think. Um, it's a very supportive community, just like athletics, just like our act. We have a very supportive community in, in Franklin that's looking out for every interest. And um, I would just tell you that our goal is not to remove programming, whether it's during school or after school. But um, there were some, beyond just music, I would say, I mentioned 24 people were non-renewed and they were all obviously from the music department. Um, unfortunately, in smaller departments, I think it's felt differently. I think over time, if I look at our budget development, and I've watched, I've also, I know it's my first year at Super, but I've been in this town for 20 years, besides three, so I've worked 17 years, and I've, I was a teacher on the block my first year, you know, in this, I remember my name on, on a board somewhere around, I was, I was about to have a non-renewal call, and um, it didn't happen that way, and, uh, but I've seen over years, us, uh, meaning people in my position, or um, staff that are, uh, connected to us have to um, look at our enrollment and say if we have to field the classroom, academic classroom, and I think I value music just as much. And we have to look at the schedule and how we're um, educating kids and what's required, and it gets really difficult. And I, uh, I say that with all sincerity. So I would say to the music um, folks, you know, I'm cognizant of the impacts that, that this budget has on our programming, and it's not our intention to try to um, to cut programs um, for the sake of cutting them or whatnot. And I think as a parent, my own child is 
heavily involved in our music program, heavily. My other child's into athletics and in the athletic program. I'm living this day to day. I use the public library. I love it. Yeah. Um, you know, so I just would point to, to those. But these are this is tough, and I think I mentioned it yesterday, and I think I've heard it shared. There's uh, a finite amount of money in which we're working with, and my advocacy is around you know, what we need to do the job, and um, with the funding we have, we're unfortunately at a place where we have to um, look to where do we want to prioritize our resources to do the job, but it's, it's not enough to do the job the way it should be done. I'll set counsel. Yes, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, any other questions while the schools are here? So let's deal with those. So, Councilor Fondillo. Yeah, thank you. I, uh, we, we, we asked you a lot, and we talked a whole bunch about schools yesterday, um, and, and it, was, it was a great conversation, and um, we, we were able to talk about uh, the values and, and really make the case that um, there are some longer-term uh, needs, and then there's some immediate um, opportunities to make sure that this year's budget better reflects the values uh, of the town. Um, I wanted to, we talked a lot about from a sort of high level, uh, but there's also some uh, sort of feelings that we were dancing around uh, some things, and um, I wanted to give you the opportunity to uh, really address uh, some of the questions that I seem to be hearing uh, that, that maybe haven't been fully. Some of them were, were just asked, right? That idea of, you know, we have the surplus, the idea of what happens when we have vacancies, um, what do we do with uh, that money? I have two more uh, for you that I just wanted to sort of uh, ask you a little more directly. Um, one, I think you sort of just touched upon it uh, to some extent, um, is this feeling that, uh, it was sort of my first fear uh, of yesterday, or my first two, that um, the budget and the, the sort of historic budgets of, um, of the past few years, and now the, the sort of expected personnel costs um, of the next few years, that they're unsustainable in terms of they're larger than the amount of money um, that we bring it out. You know that I agree, and I think we all agree, that um, we need to fund our schools more, right? At the end of the day, we're at the bottom 20% of uh, funding. Um, but there are a few ways to do that. One is to go out and start spending and then, and then ask for the money, and the other is wait until you have the money and then um, start spending. Uh, now, a lot of this, uh, you're, you're new, right? A lot of this uh, you inherited. Uh, but I was wondering if you could speak at all to that notion of uh, sustainability of the current budget and how you uh, sort of sit and, and think, with, uh, think about that. I'll just start by addressing, I understand there's, it's been made very clear to me, the consternation on the teacher contract. Um, whether uh, people agree or not, the decision to bargain with the teachers in good faith occurred. Um, the decision was made and, and uh, to support the teachers based on 
the 30 hours or so of sitting at the table and bargaining, and it, and it ended with um, that agreement, which included um, adding um, some evaluated evaluation responsibilities to the staff, and it involved a couple of other things um, related to advisory and whatnot. I understand um, from I can understand from a perspective around from the perspective of folks that you're referring to um, around that, and it's clear. It's the messaging's been made clear to me throughout the years since I've taken this job about that. It's probably the um, thing that I hear the most. Um, I would say that uh, when we developed our budget for this year, we, in my original superintendent's budget, I baked in based on our um, what we knew of resignations and what we knew of retirements and whatnot, and pre-baked um, in a million dollars in reductions off the bat. And as a way of saying, we're preparing a budget, we're actually trying to look at our numbers, and we're not just coming to say more, more, more. The second thing that we did, I, I look back, and, and Mr. Helen had referenced this yesterday, we um, asked for what we felt was in a reasonable increase that was um, lower than four of the five last year's budget requests. So if you go back and look, and, and those two um, actions were uh, in an effort to say, one, we were looking at, um, and I can only speak from my experience and what I've, I can't speak for, I'm not gonna be able to answer questions that I can't answer, and I don't think that's fair. Um, but I will say, you know, the, the idea of trying to um, keep an organization going with the, the number one thing we know is having high quality people in any of our, we want the best, I, won't, I don't want to call out any other department and get in trouble, but I think we want the best in any department that we have, and we've been fortunate to do that, and I think the, that was the attempt of saying, hey, listen, we're trying to do this for the right reasons. So um, that's, that's how that came to be, in my opinion, and I understand that there, uh, there's uh, strong feelings about this. Uh, that was really helpful, and I, I think that we're, we're certainly not going to address it all here, and I hope that we um, really do use that joint budget uh, subcommittee uh, to sort of work through these, uh, you know, sort of, sort of the more detailed uh, pieces. But at, at some point, you know, we're in the situation we're in now, and we as a community need to um, figure out uh, what it is that we value and, and uh, how we want to reflect that uh, in our budgets. But I appreciate you for being transparent uh, and addressing that uh, a little more head on. Uh, the second thing that uh, sort of question that I hear uh, thrown around is when we, you know, when we talk about um, efficiencies, one of the most common ones um, that comes up is um, looking at facilities, needed facilities, um, to uh, house the number of. Uh, expected students. Now, I know we just did a facilities uh, study and, and that ended in, in a recommendation to do a facilities um, master plan. Um, I was wondering if you could uh, sort of talk to um, how you look at that as a possible uh, opportunity for um, efficiencies. So, um, just to recap, uh, we did do uh, a redistricting analysis. And it was based on a few factors. The first was to look at, um, we had closed Davis there and moved the entire school population to the Keller Elementary. Um, in addition, we hadn't done a redistricting analysis in some time, probably since 2002, um, if I'm recalling correctly. And um, 
the charge was to conduct the analysis, which I, I feel that we did, and we did it comprehensively. We had a report that came out after the um, Davis Thayer closure from, from Kessel Booz, which had some facilities, it was a facilities assessment analysis, it had recommendations um, that they put forth, and it talked through, one, engaging in, in an analysis, two, it had a 10-year plan that looked ahead to kind of what could, what could happen in the future. Uh, at the end of the redistricting analysis, what we determined was, well, the vote was that, based on the information had, it seemed like a longer-term plan and a vision for um, analyzing each of our facilities and really trying to look at you know, their, the idea of uh, repair, renovation, sustainability, age, age, life of school, whole thing. Um, we, we've heard a lot about different renovations um, yesterday um, at different buildings, and um, that was part of uh, my recommendation in the analysis was, this is the stage then. If this is, we're not moving kids yet because we don't want to do this twice. We'd already moved to fa uh, families, and then to move them again without a long-term plan did not seem um, um, like the right move, and it felt like a vision needs to be developed on what does the future hold for our Franklin Public Schools. With that said, when we analyze space and we look at it, we um, note that that report did not include the way we utilize specialized programs. <coughs> so I'll just use an example. Jefferson Elementary has six classrooms dedicated to our specialized programs, which allows us to educate our students in district. I know we've talked about this. I've sat in, I've sat in the chair when other uh, supers have been here, and we've talked <coughs> through the moral benefit of keeping kids within town, but there's also an, um, an opportunity to educate and, and, and pay our own employees to educate our students within our district, which um, and, and transport them within our district, which, which has benefits and savings. So um, that's just one example of when you take six classrooms offline, that's not accounted for when you do, so we need to do um, a deeper dive. Um, there are recommendations at the back of that book. Um, we've um, looked at those. I think there are a lot of different scenarios um, that they have played out. One of them was the Davis Thayer closure. There are other uh, scenarios in there which include building new schools. I'm, I'm uh, hesitant to throw that out here right now because I know the Tri-County and I'm not here to advocate for a school on top of, after what I went through yesterday, I'm not asking for a school tomorrow. Um, but at the end of the day, there are a lot of different things that need to play out as far as really analyzing the district and what are our needs. And just to really hit on one last point um, was when we, look at, when we look at enrollment, for example, right now we have 2056 elementary. Yeah. Um, and it, it'll drop to 2010, so 2010. The next year it goes to 2000, and then it's projected based on the McKibben report to jump back up to 2065. So within two and a half to three years, we're gonna have the same number of kids we have today in elementary school. You'll see your um, middle school decline, and then that will move forward. And one of the factors is our ECDC was projected to have 111 kids just stagnantly. We're at 160 today. So actually, we're probably more than right yeah, around right the street. Right like, I'm a street map. I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> but, but I think when we start that, these are just parts of the analysis that took place that I share with you as just ideas around where um, the information that's in my head and sometimes the sound bites I hear when I'm at the park or a library or whatnot, I try to engage the community with some of those pieces. And I think as part of my charge as we move forward, um, I'm hopeful to. Um, finish my first year in the superintendency um, is around just trying to be uh, transparent and communicative as possible on some of these ideas and where we move forward. But I'm certainly not in the place to um, 
predict or make decisions without really having a real handle on what is the, the future of our, um, of our schools. And I'm also not an engineer who can uh, analyze our facilities to the level they need to be done to make uh, informed decisions. There's nothing that makes us happier than a strategic plan to find opportunities for saving. So um, that, that's great. Uh, I, I'll, I'll close um, just with a statement because a few people uh, got to name it um, yesterday. But I, I think part of why uh, I'm optimistic that we will be able to get uh, to uh, the place that we want to get to on all uh, services, but particularly uh, our schools, um, is uh, I'm very optimistic about and, and appreciative of what you're bringing uh, to the table. I think you're uh, thoughtful and communicative and patient and caring uh, and accessible. And so I'm excited to uh, work together. I'm as concerned uh, as everyone about uh, the loss of Miriam, who has done uh, so much um, for our community. But I, I really do feel good um, that, that we're pretty close to getting to the place we want to be. Thank you. Thank you, Councilor Frangelo. Councilor Sheridan. I, yeah, I second those comments about you personally. Thank you. And a couple of questions we've got from panels. Can you explain at home, like the timeline for pink slips? Why did it happen yesterday? Is it so the timeline for pink slips, we're contractually obligated to notify uh, teachers by June 15th. That okay. is the deadline to do that. We obviously aim to do that sooner. Right. Um, we don't. We need to have information in order to do that. When the town administrator put out his recommended budget, that gives us a number. That the town allocation that's recommended gives us a number, like every other district, as a point of, we have a number, now let's work within um, our means for, we, we know what we requested, but we have, a, we have an idea. Uh, knowing that, that there are, there could be uh, flexibility, but at that point you have a, a line in the sand. Um, our timing, you know, I'm been doing this for 20 years in education. I know that the timing and cycle of our budget development process in our town is definitely later than some of the other communities in which I'm a part of. Just an example, I was at a meeting on Monday. I'm, I'm on the board of directors for the Accept Collaborative. When I was walking out, we had five or six superintendents from Natick, Medfield, Millis, Medway. And I was saying, hey, I have my town. And they're like, but your town of what, oh, what's going on? So they have a different, um, trajectory and cycle. So they'll get their number sometime November, December, and they build a budget, they have to submit it by January, they have school committee approval February, and then by March they voted. So they're letting their employees know before the April break. And you may notice that sometimes in the paper it'll say like, this town is laying off 17 people, and you'll hear that like in February. I know I got nervous, because I said, wait a minute, how do they, how do you know? How do you know your number? And uh, it comes from knowing your allocation and a timing. So the way in which that trajectory works, the, the piece that I, you didn't ask me, but since I have the mic, I'll say, is I think when we um, are in two scenarios, one, in a good budget year, we would be landing our budget and then have about a month with our staff to try to make sure we have our team squared away and plan for the next year, right? Effectively plan and try to get ahead. In a bad budget season, like the one where we've experienced now, the 30, 40 hours I've spent with my leadership team with additional meetings to try to make sure we figured out who are these 24 people and why, and what do we have to support this decision. We're spending that time now. So we had the um, interim school business administrator do an interview, and he had talked about how um, he had finished, the budget was settled in April, and then um, they've been doing a lot of strategic planning 
So they know kind of where they're going to be. They've laid off who they need to. They're hiring the people we let go um, today. Um, but they're, they're planning for the year. And I think that um, definitely puts, from a bandwidth standpoint, I think it does definitely have, um, it does have an impact. So I, I know you didn't ask for that whole thing, but thank you for asking. <clears throat> Any other questions of uh, school? Councilor Jones. Back to the chairman. One of the golden nuggets from one of my apprentices of the one of my favorite lines from students is, so Mr. Jones, what do you do all summer? <laughs> <coughs> Nothing. You sit on the beach all day. It's not what teachers do. Um, you spend most of the time planning and making lesson plans and everything else. Um, quick question, and I know I brought this guys up too early, is what um, what can you do, or what can the school community do to reach out to their um, legislators if it up to the Department of Ed and ask them if they can address unfunded mandates? What, what can be, what, how, can, how can this be tackled? And if it can be tackled. I know we face unfunded mandates on the town level, like from the feds and from the state and things like that. What can the schools do? What can the, what can the school committee do to address this up to the state and say, listen, enough already. We have, we have increasing spending, you know, special education costs. We're increasing inflation just like everyone else. Can you give us a break and back off on a few of these programs? I can tell you we've been trying to do that for the last 25 years. <laughs> I'm sure. Uh, Jamie, you want to? Yeah. Through Mr. Chairman, not to, to take anything away from the superintendent. Um, there are mandates that are unfunded, and they're called unfunded mandates for a reason. The mandates are usually generally set into law because there's a value or a principle or a stakeholder group that is, is basically said this is really important, and then it's subject to appropriation. And historically, again, nobody needs to take this as a critique. People are a little sensitive these days. This is not exactly something against any individual. This is a systemic problem that's been going on in Massachusetts for decades, and it is going to continue for decades. My best suggestion is, is that if the school district or the community at large is really focused on an unfunded mandate, something like out-of-state out-of-district uh, tuition placement, the 93 million, um, there needs to be a grassroots there needs to be a vote of the school committee or some sort of letter. Uh, the council, for example, is sending one to the federal delegation tonight regarding PFAS and their concerns. Um, you need to stay on this over and over and make sure Representative Roy and Senator Rausch um, know about these things. I think the superintendent, myself, and others go to the state house often for lobbying days. We try to make our presence known. I just want to set everybody's expectations that they're highly, highly unlikely to get substantial impact on the unfunded mandates. They're unfunded for a reason. They're state and state law for a reason. And oftentimes, the bad news is, is that usually local districts or communities have to pick up the difference. Um, you know, and everyone goes through this in a different way, like regional school transportation, for example, in regional school districts. It's not always fully funded. And people, you know, obviously, you know, have a tough time with that. So I don't mean to be the bearer of bad news. I just want to say on behalf of everybody in the community, including the school district, um, they're incredibly challenging to fix. And I oftentimes would say, my last comment, Mr. Chairman, is 
other than letters or if the school committee feels very passionately or the council, generally the return on investment for your time lobbying on that stuff is usually very low. Um, you don't usually get a good return on your investment for the amount of hours and time put into trying to fix them. Um, and the best example is the out-of-district placement right now. Um, it's just obviously, for whatever reasons, uh, it's just not a priority on Beacon Hill. So I would just lay that out there really quickly on behalf of all, because we have them too, right? Absolutely. We all do. The Senate just passed the uh, yeah. just passed the budget. Just, just right now. Pop up. And, and again, uh, having sat in a seat a bunch of years ago, we had the same issues back then. Uh, this is not anything new. The unfunded mandates that not only from the state but from the federal government, and you know, uh, and you know, just this the special ed mandates. The federal, there are federal special ed mandates that don't get funded, and then there are state special ed mandates that supersede the federal mandates that don't get funded. But I applaud the Franklin school system for many, many years working so hard on the collaboratives mm -hmm. and the inclusionary uh, piece and bring, trying to uh, educate some of these uh, special ed uh, students and requirements within the system. And on top of that, and this brings me way back, uh, when the charter school first came into uh, existence, and things I'm sure are a little bit different now, but back then, if there was a special needs uh, student that wanted to go, charter school, well, we don't have that. Uh, we don't have that class or the ability to work. So, right back to the public schools. So the charter schools were getting the better, the better piece, and not having to deal with the unfunded special demand. So it's a, it's something that's been going on going on forever, and I don't disagree with Jamie. Uh, letters have been sent year in year out, uh, and Good it just falls on deaf ears, uh, unfortunately. Uh, doesn't mean we shouldn't advocate and continue to advocate uh, to get some of these unfunded mandates, just like the one we're dealing with, dealing with now. Uh, that hopefully, we'll come back. But uh, so anyway, I think the school department does a very good job of trying to deal with a lot of these unfunded mandates and. Uh, by working within the system. Just to follow up, and I think Mr. Helen mentioned um, the OSD, the private school tuition. Yeah. Um, we, I know he mentioned yesterday we sent a, a letter um, with the support of the school committee and then joined um, our local area regional superintendents to all sign on on a letter and one endorsed by the Massachusetts Association for School Superintendents. And the final thing, we held a breakfast in, um, in Newton at the um, Soldier, um, I forget the name of the, the location, where it was school committee um, chairs and um, superintendents, and we had our local reps attend the breakfast. And but it was all about OSD and the hike, and we 
collaborated on a document which showed each district, you know, they, they hit to us, they hit to Newton, they hit to the school, whatever, and I thought um, it was an opportunity for us to kind of jointly present and get the right people in the room. That's the, to Jamie's point, the return on the amount of time to write those letters and, and sign on on that and go to Newton and present and do that. Um, certainly, we did the steps that we should do for this particular example, um, but the, it remains to be seen what will happen with that. But it doesn't mean that we should, again, right. advocate. And we can send a letter as a council, school committee can send letters as school committee. And citizens. And citizens. Absolutely. Now, folks out here have been hearing about this issue for, and we all know representatives do a fantastic job listening to these folks out here mm -hmm. and the folks at home. Um, you learn about these issues. I always remind people, you don't have to write a complicated email. It can be one sentence. I want you to prioritize whatever issue. And it's as simple as that. And as Councilor Frangillo has learned, or he's been a state rep, right? It's, it doesn't need to be some expert written thing. It just needs to be a quick email um, over to the state rep so they know that this is something that's impacting the town in a big way. <coughs> Yes, sir. Any other questions of the schools? Council of About the revolving account. You said that there's eight point something. Can any of that money, and I know you said it has to go for certain things, but then if it was left over, it would go to free cash. Before it would go to free cash, is there money there that you would be able to use to supplement your budget this year? So we do use revolving funds to supplement our budget. Revolving funds don't fall to free cash. The only funds that fall to free cash are funds that are appropriated by this council that are unspent at the end of the fiscal year by the school department. So those funds would fall to free cash. We do use, where we are using, anticipating to use $7.1 million of revolving funds to support the FY24 budget. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you, Council Hodgman. Any other questions from the Council? Is there anybody in Council Chambers that has a question for the schools? Another one. Steve Sherlock, Ken Lawrence Drive, Franklin Madison, Franklin Park Radio. Historical perspective. Stepping back to 2007, in November of that time frame, and fun funding issue arose that resulted in a joint meeting in, if I remember correctly, February, either end of January or early February 2008, where it was the only time in my years of reporting, and it was the first time we were doing this, where a joint meeting between town council and school committee to review an audit report because of some misaccounting on the school side. In March, Miriam got hired, 14 questions the school committee asked, et cetera. And the audit reports, as you've heard earlier, have continued to improve in complexity, in complexity and completeness and accuracy. So we're much, much better off because of what she's done. But remember, too, we did have that issue. And it was before my time, but from my recollection was, there were budget cuts made that resulted in a person being in the position that didn't do as well as they could, that resulted in that issue, et cetera. So 
just wanted to provide that historical perspective. I was fortunate to be along with it, um, but I know a lot of all the folks perhaps listening now hadn't, so it's important. The devil's in the details. Um, also want to thank her and her effort and also wish her a happy retirement. I'm family. having fun now. <laughs> <laughs> this is going to be my closing. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Since the schools are sitting here, I will be remiss if I did not thank them for making the parking problem in the library more bearable. So over the years, three superintendents have always given the library permission to park at Davis Tech. So it's really been helpful that all those programs that we have, we will not have had a place for people to park. Everybody knows that we do not have parking by any stretch of the imagination. And now that Davis Stair is closed, we're still using the space to park. I had forgotten to mention that part of the visioning is that we are going to need additional parking. I know that you're discussing what to do with the building, and I don't know if it includes the library at all, but the discussions that I have had with Jamie over and over and over again about the parking situation. Because if we did not have a place for people to park, the library would not be used at all. I also wanted to thank the superintendent. We've had a very good relationship with the schools and more than three superintendents. It's always been easy for the library to pick up the phone and talk to the superintendent and talk to anybody in the business offices, the school uh, administrative offices. And I want to commend the town administrator, Jamie Jeff, for making that communication so seamless. Recently, we were writing a grant for an English as a second language program. It's just to teach English to non-native uh, speakers. We just recently started a program. There are 29 students reading, and there are 59 volunteers who've stepped up and are now training. So we decided to expand the program when we were going to need a grant. And I cannot thank the superintendent enough for stepping up to the plate and writing a letter of recommendation for us. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So, Massachusetts School Business Administrators Organization, and they awarded her the Friends of Masbo Award, which is a tremendous honor. And uh, we're lucky that she um, she received that. I know it was a big ceremony. They had a plaque. You may have seen an article on it in the news, mm -hmm. but um, she's just been uh, a fiscal steward for our district and just someone who's just been tremendous uh, in her abilities and her leadership, and really. Um, 
just worked easy to work with, and I've learned a tremendous amount. She's been a mentor in many ways, so I just want to say thank you very much for everything you've done. everything and they go a little deeper and they go into um, there's an expert that's been out and what we actually ended up finding is that when the contractor that we hired to do the second floor renovation and the elevator which went bankrupt kind of I don't know he actually went bankrupt after, he was DCAM decertified, but we stopped. It was non-existent two-thirds of the way. Yeah, <laughs> we stopped paying him because we found out he wasn't paying any of his subs even though he was lying to us and telling us he was paying his subs, so we held like a half a million bucks and the subs all ended up, filed sub and subs got paid, not everybody. That's just the way construction law works, but the big flood at the senior center was caused by that contractor's failure to re-insulate between the attic, specifically around the elevator shaft they built to re-insulate that back. And it was covered in a hard ceiling. Um, there was a soffit there, which is no longer there. But in the restoration work done by well, first there's somebody who rips everything out and then there's somebody who puts everything back together and the second company being Blue Sky. And they re-insulated, insulated all the areas that weren't insulated and then insulated all the damaged uh, insulation that had gotten wet and put out. So there is a direct cause to that and Maya will most likely I've been working with Maya for a really long time and I've done a ton of depositions for Maya because Maya pays and then Maya 
goes and sues, and we end up working with my uh, in a suit and doing depositions for them against whoever they're suing. Um, the three incidents at Keller Sullivan that happened in over the course of like seven years, um, and the second two being the exact same location, Sprinkler Head, Maya sued Johnson Control and Compton Sprinkler for those. Compton ended up going out of business because he got his like they got the license pulled. Um, but there was a they sued them for one point two five million dollars, and there. There has been a settlement, although they haven't gone that deep. It didn't end up going to court. Um, but the last I heard from the attorney from Tangmar Mellis, the attorney firm that they use, um, they had agreed to a settlement and they'd come up with something, six, $700,000 that Johnson Controls Insurance Company was gonna pay back to Maya for those. And I expect, it's like this in every job. They sued Agostini Constructions um, Insurance Company for the flood at the high school back a number of years right after that happened. I did do a deposition on that. Um, that did work out in Maya's favor as well. And they're going to be suing someone for the stuff at the senior center. Bottom line is we are doing the fixes when they come up. To, to try and deal, uh, to prevent it from happening again. And there are thank some. You. No, thank you, Mr. Chairman. And to Kobe's question, you know, the other investments, I think what Mike's trying to get at is sometimes when these things happen, you know, you look in the rearview mirror, but there's a litigious environment around a lot of it. We have a great insurance company in Maya. Um, there's Chapter 149. Um, if you want to take the procurement class someday, it's, it's, it's excellent. Uh, yeah, right. I mean, engineers are the ones that do that, right? I mean, I've taken it, I was certified, all this different stuff, but it, it's a very complicated topic. And um, I say that because when you're building the building, as this gentleman over here knows as best as anybody, as well as Attorney Sorrell, um, the DPW, Mike, um, you know, there are those factors that Mike's speaking to when you're building a building. Just like your house, buildings have trouble. I mean, boilers go out, things happen. We have 1.4 million square feet. You know, the bleep's gonna hit the fan every once in a while. I would just say that, are there investments that we can? Yeah, I mean, in, in certain cases, um, you, know, you try to build the building as modernized as it is when it's there. Technology advances, things change, you find gaps, you try to improve upon them. And that's where our capital plan comes from, right? Is we try to invest a lot of money here, there, and everywhere, wherever we can afford to put into those projects. And I hope I summarized it okay, coming from the expert in buildings. But in all seriousness, I just point back to last night. The pie's not big enough. We have a lot of facility in this community. Ball fields, roads, sidewalks, infrastructure, public ways, trails, bridges. We could go down the list. You've got three and a half million a year, folks. Like, I know we want a lot of stuff, but when we say are there investments, yeah, there's always investments, but it's gonna come at the casualty of other items. And so uh, we try to use every avenue we can. I think what Mike's saying here with insurance, in the senior center case, they're gonna pay for that piece. Um, and so, you know, it's, it's a delicate balance. And 
as you go through the industry more and you build your career and you learn more as a volunteer or a staffer, you, know, you kind of learn a lot more tricks of the trade. And, and that's part of why during these projects, you, uh, we build into the projects a design contingency yeah. and a construction contingency, two different ones. One for design flaws, where the architect might have designed something incorrectly. Uh, and the construction contingency, just in case there's a construction piece that was not done right. But what happens is sometimes the problems don't arise until those contingencies have been exhausted or turned back to uh, the town in one form or another, uh, which is similar to uh, Mike and I have had this discussion about the senior center before. Uh, I think the first one was a design contingency. My opinion, it will always be a design <laughs> contingency where the architect uh, made a mistake. Uh, the second one may be more on, on the other side of it. So, But when they do come up, uh, one of the things that Mike does an excellent job at is going back, redesigning, and making it, uh, fixing the problem so it doesn't exist again. And I know we've had two at the senior center, but they were two different. They're totally different, uh, and, yeah. Uh, they both flooded the senior center, but uh, they were two different issues. And in one case, I believe it was a design contingency, a uh, design issue. The other case was definitely a, con a contractor issue. And they no longer in business. It's had to go back. But that's what our insurance companies do. Mark, do you want to add something? Yeah, just quickly. You do the best you can, it depends on the circumstances. Which is why basically, in, in a nutshell, you, have, you carry insurance. Because you just can't possibly do the best you can, but you can't predict any possible. That's why they have stuff like acts of God, which is any kind of a nature thing. It can just come out of the blue and cause tremendous damage. Uh, example, no one hospitals no more because a thousand year flood hit and, and the infrastructure couldn't handle it. Uh, so you hope that you're covered by insurance. When you talk, you try, that being said, you try to minimize your risk. You maintain your buildings, uh, you, you uh, uh, provide oversight and make sure that temperatures are correct and that sort of thing. Uh, you don't have a load bearing problem if you're talking excessive snow, another example. But then when you're talking new construction, which is a nightmare that I've unfortunately shared too many experiences with the chair about, you do the best you can with the fact that Massachusetts law is aligned against you to get the best designer in, mm -hmm. to get your own team that's going to provide oversight to what's called an OPM, an Homes Project Manager, and then to get good GC and good subs. And that is an unbelievable challenge. Unbelievable. And unfortunately, the senior center, the second phase, which was supposed to be just a minor completion kind of project, turned into a poster child for what everything is wrong with public construction. We won't talk about how this
Way too big a story. <laughs> <laughs> and, and then, frankly, even before when I got here, uh, the issue had started with uh, uh, Remington Jefferson with the roof. Right. That was a new school was was built before me. At that time, the, somebody on the building committee didn't like that you have flat roofs on schools or public buildings. Uh, it's prohibitive to do stick construction for roofs on big buildings for that kind of area. The architect said, oh, there's, there's a new technology out there that we could utilize. I'm not that familiar with it, but. So they went ahead and they designed a metal roof system. The architect designed the system the way he would design aesthetically all kinds of peaks and valleys. And what happened was after it got installed, uh, it, it failed to take into account what snow and ice do when they build up on those kind of surfaces. What was happening was snow and ice was sliding, hitting the seams, and opening up seams all over the place. And by the time the finger pointing got cleared, the statute of what's called the statute of repose had run against everybody. So. That was more, more than you need. A lot of helpful contact. I appreciate. Yeah, I, you know, I'm, I'm new to this. I don't have the experience that you know, the three speakers or four speakers uh, have in terms of how often these come up and things like that. It seems. I mean, facilities have so many uh, important roles. It seems like one of the most important is making sure that we're you know proactively identifying, minimizing um, things like these. I hope that we are. It sounds like uh, we are to the best of our abilities. If there are opportunities. Um, or we can help you, you know, don't be shy of the Thank you. Thank you, Councillor Frangillo. Any question, any question, other questions from the council to on facilities? Any questions from the uh, in council chambers to uh, for facilities? Any questions out in Zoom land on facilities? Okay, we'll move on. Is there any questions from a counselor on any other department? Is there any question from the audience, uh, from the council chambers, on any other department? Is there any question out there in Zoom land on any department? Seeing none, I will declare the second uh, public hearing on the FY24 budget closed. And what I'd like to do now is turn it over to uh, Jamie. Sure. Uh, for just a quick overview. Sure. Uh, thank you, Mr. Chairman. So, um, obviously, before the council, the two hearings are set. Uh, the voting document and the resolution are on the agenda, uh, down for legislation for action. I know there's another public hearing that we have to have this evening, Mr. Chairman, um, which we can do afterwards or at your um, at your pleasure. Uh, but just while everybody's aware, before you get to the sewer rate issue, um, you know, let's close out at least the. Budget commentary. So a bunch of folks have asked me, where do we go from here? So the voting document is what it is in front of everybody tonight for both a little bit of staff 
just trying to clear up and change things around. It takes a little while. I know I put out a couple recommendations. Um, the Senate budget uh, did just pass a little while ago. Um, the cherry sheets have not been released yet. Um, we will get an email from DUR likely next week uh, with the cherry sheet. And I think if everybody is in agreement, um, you know, we can move forward with the budget adjustments that were on my suggested slide. Um, we will take uh, the, we, if everybody's comfortable with this, um, you know, I just want to make sure everyone's aware, just for those who don't know the legislative process, uh, the House has passed the budget, the Senate's passed the budget, there'll be three members of the House, three members of the Senate that are going to go to what's called a conference committee, um, they'll duke it out for a good month, month or two, um, you know, I don't know how long that goes, they are usually obligated to deliver a budget by June 30th, um, I've spoken to um, the superintendent and others, and just suggesting that if folks are comfortable and we want immediacy to make the budget adjustments on my list, then the only opportunity before June 15th that you heard from the superintendent on uh, the deadline, um, I think it would be advantageous for the district to have the most up-to-date numbers codified in the budget that, uh, that are on this list. The one only small caveat to that is, is that the assumptions we'll use are based on the Senate budget because those are higher local aid numbers than what the House did. Um, but I can't speak for conference committee, um, and I can't speak for the gubernatorial veto. I think it's highly unlikely the, the highest number of, of education and, and state aid, the governor's gonna sign that, I can't guarantee it, but I think that that's probably palatable and a good assumption. Um, so if folks are comfortable with the Senate Ways and Means budget numbers, um, we'll take a look at that cherry sheet next week. Um, and, uh, and take a look at it, and, uh, and we can plug that number in. We can get that all cleared up. In addition to these other items on the list, we will extract out the police and fire uh, capital items and take, again, just so everybody's aware, the capital budget subcommittee already approved that, th that gear for this year's team. So what we're talking about is next year. So we'll just have to fund that capital uh, stuff in exactly the same way we've been funding it for years through the capital program. Um, this is not taking money away. I just wanted to illustrate to the public, particularly some of those that have been advocating for this, the challenges that we have to fund capital stuff in the operating budget. I think we've made that point. Um, it's not as if our police and fire are not going to get the gear they need. We are going to fund that. In fact, the council has already funded that uh, for the next year. Uh, so we'll take that 116000 out of the fire and police budget and move it over to the school department. We'll also uh, reduce the uh, facilities budget by $100,000 to, um, to, uh, on lawn watering, another nature doer thing. Uh, we'll uh, lower the uh, snow and ice removal expenses, $50,000. Um, and we will also uh, appropriate $250,000 to supplement the MEC budget. Uh, for the regional dispatch center. I just want to note for people that are wondering why we can't do that tonight, because uh, the MEC stabilization account requires a two-thirds authorization from the council, which is an item you need to put on the agenda, which means you need 48 hours to put that item up there. If we do this on June 7th, that should suffice at least before the June 15th date, and then this will give approximately, got to wait for the Senate Ways and Mean number, um, approximately, about $766,000 in additional revenue for the school department, which will get them exactly to 1.8 million, which is uh, just a hair above the 2.5% increase um, that uh, is done annually. 
Um, as I've said to uh, other folks, um, we can certainly make additional adjustments all the way through November if there are other issues and sources that come up. I've always said to the school district, all my eight years here, if there's some sort of funding or rational need, or something that pops up, they gotta just walk right next door, <laughs> literally, you can even knock on the wall in between, and just come next door and ask, and just talk to me, uh, and we'll talk to the finance team about what those needs are. So it's not as if we're far away, Mr. Chairman, you make this case oftentimes, we're right next door to each other, it's just a walk through. Uh, we understand this is a nimble situation, but I do think that the 1.8 million increase, uh, in addition to uh, some of the other recommendations and the things that we're working on over the summer, um, you know, can provide at least uh, a significant amount of relief for the uh, issues that we've had here, uh, we've heard over the last couple of days. So, my recommendation would be to vote on the voting document as is, so that the chiefs and other departments uh, that have uh, job postings to put out can put those out now. And obviously in two weeks on June 7th, um, we put a resolution on to modify the voting document and modify the budget amendment uh, from what's being voted tonight so that it would reflect the uh, updated Senate Ways and Means numbers as well as these others. And there would also be a resolution on that meeting for the transfer from the next stabilization plan. So we, I think, believe two, two, two legislations for action on June 7th. That's Thank great. You. Thank you. Thank you, Gene, for that. And I think that kind of uh, addresses, uh, that's that plan B with it we yeah. continue to talk about. Uh, and, uh, you know, is it everything? No, it's not everything, but it certainly uh, gets gets us to a number that's kind of been consistent with what we've been able to do the last four or five years. So, thank you, and uh, thank you, Jane, for plan A, B, C, D, E. <laughs> yes. Can we, can we comment on it or question it? Or? Uh, on June 2nd. It's not the legislation for action. Yeah. No, that isn't. No, but the basic, the starting the, the basic budget then during that discussion. Okay. We now are moving on and I will open a public hearing on bylaw amendment 23-897 sewer rate increase. <coughs> Amy, you. Hey, Mr. Chairman, I think we've tossed this one to death. Um, we're required to do this. Um, so, just got to kind of do it just for the public's edification. This is the final and second vote. This three year sewer rate increase of the next three years uh, to pay for the 109 year old Beaver Street Interceptor replacement. That's all I got. Okay. Uh, why don't we put, uh, why don't we, since we open the public hearing, is there anyone in the public that would like to speak to bylaw amendment 23-897, sewer rate increase? Seeing that, I go to legislation for action. Huh? Is there anyone out on Zoom that would like to speak to? Uh, bylaw amendment 23-897, sewer rate increase. Seeing that, I'll go to the, uh, clear the public hearing close, and we'll move to resolutions, 
legislation for action. And uh, we will go right down the list. First resolution is 23-33, adoption of the FY24 budget. Clerk will read the motion. Thank you, Mr. Chair. This is resolution 23-33, adoption of the FY2024 budget, whereas the town council conducting two public hearings on the fiscal year 2024 budget on May 24, 2023, and May 25, 2023, after due notice was given to the Milford Daily News, and whereas the Finance Committee issued printed recommendations with copies made available at each public hearing, and whereas the Town Council considered the FY2024 budget on a departmental basis, and by vote so determined the size of the appropriation for each department on May 25th, 2023. Now therefore being moved and voted to adopt said general fund budget, water enterprise fund budget, sewer enterprise fund budget, solid waste enterprise fund budget and stormwater enterprise fund budget as set out in the fiscal year 2024 voted document with a total appropriation of 150 million nine hundred forty eight hundred thousand and one hundred eighty eight dollars of which one hundred thirty four million two hundred seventy seven hundred thousand and two hundred twenty three dollars is to be raised and appropriated and the balance transfer from the enterprise fund revenues to be appropriated as follows. Water fees, enterprise fund, six million eight hundred six 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 seven thousand three hundred eighty two. Sewer fees, enterprise fund, six million fourteen thousand eight hundred twenty seven. Uh, solid waste fees, enterprise fund, two million five hundred fifteen hundred thousand six hundred thirty nine. Solid waste retained earnings, enterprise fund, three hundred thousand um, dollars. Stormwater fees, enterprise fund, one million thirty-seven thirty-four thousand one hundred seventeen, for total enterprise fund of sixteen million six hundred seventy six hundred and seventy thousand nine hundred sixty-five. Sorry, I got tongue-tied for a This resolution shall become effective according to the provisions of the Town of Franklin Home Rule Charter. Finance Committee action um, on the meeting date of May eleventh, twenty twenty-three, was a unanimous vote eight to zero to recommend total amount. Of one hundred fifty million nine hundred forty-eight hundred thousand one hundred eighty-eight dollars. Move resolution twenty-three dash thirty-three. Second. Motion and a second. Discussion. Second. Anything to add, Jim? Discussion, Councilor Frangelo. Yeah, thank you. I just wanted to speak a little to those uh, adjustments because they're uh, important. Uh, this is the process. Uh, at work and, and I want to like Jamie has the hardest job because he's the one who has to say no to so many things and um, it's our job to scrutinize and that's what this um, <coughs> these sessions are or to look at every detail and scrutinize uh, what he put forward and listen to the public and make the small tweaks um, as necessary to make sure that it's fully reflective uh, of the community's values. In that process, make no mistake, we are beyond lucky to have a thoughtful town administrator who is willing to put long-term fiscal health over short-term political ease. And on aggregate, that saves us uh, a lot. And so when we make little tweaks, and, and I've 
happy that uh, people showed out, that we uh, were listened to, and that we are having a process to make the adjustments as necessary in the short term, while also having a very transparent conversation that uh, the pot's not uh, large enough to, to meet uh, all uh, of the community's uh, wishes. Um, yeah, the, the past you know two nights are about scrutinizing the work that you put forward. I do want to name, we're very grateful uh, for all you and your staff to, uh, to put together such a thoughtful document. Thank you, Councilor Frangelo. Any other questions or comments? Just second everything we just said. Okay. Very very well said. And I, again, I think we'd also be remiss if we not only thank the town administrator, the school, the superintendent of schools, uh, the entire school department, the entire uh, municipal part of. Uh, our government, uh, every department head, every administrative staff member for the work that goes in to putting a $150 million budget together to bring before us. It is an enormous amount of work and as we are all aware, but maybe not everybody is, this starts in November and we're in May. and. We're still dealing with it. <laughs> and, <laughs> and we will continue to deal with it till November. And as I stated in the first night, the first night, this is the single most important job of the Franklin Town Council. So with that, the vote will come on the motion to approve resolution 23-33. A majority votes required. All those in favor signify by saying aye. Aye. Opposed? Motion carries. <laughs> Resolution 23-34, salary schedule, full-time, elected official, town clerk. Clerk will read the resolution. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Resolution 2334, salary schedule, full-time elected official, a resolution amending Appendix A, Chapter 4, of the Code of the Town of Franklin, entitled Salary Schedule, full-time elected official, be it resolved by the Franklin Town Council, that Appendix A, salary schedule, full-time elected official, Chapter 4 of the Code of the Town of Franklin, is amended as follows. Appendix A, salary schedule, full-time elected official, office, town clerk, Incumbent salary $106,000, FY24 salary $108,650. This resolution is effective for the fiscal year beginning on July 1st, 2023. Move resolution 23-34. Second. Motion and a second. Discussion, Jamie? Uh, I think everybody's aware uh, it's required by law to Council to approve the salary in town code for the elected official. Um, the salary increase is completely commensurate with all of the other municipal staff at two and a half percent, and the salary increase was included in that aggregate that I put on the slide the other night. So um, our illustrious town clerk uh, is getting the same compensation as all the other municipal employees. Thank you. Thank you. Questions or comments from the council? Seeing none, the vote will come on the motion to. 
approved resolution 23-34. A majority roll call votes required. All those in favor, signify by saying aye. Aye. Oh. No. Oh, it is a roll call. I apologize. A majority roll call vote. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yeah. Good. Good. Resolution. Tip, please. Five minutes. Sounds good. Is that all right? <clears throat> Colonel Allegri. Yes. Charity. Yes. Chairman. Yes. Allegri. 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 Yes. One, two. Clerk will read the resolution. <laughs> Thank you, Mr. Chairman. This is resolution 23-35. Expenditure limits for our fiscal year 2024 departmental revolving funds established by the Franklin Town Code. Chapter 73 is provided in Mass General Law Chapter 44, subsection 53E and a half, as amended, <clears throat> where, where the Franklin Town Council has adopted a bylaw establishing a chapter of the Franklin Town Code. Uh, chapter 73, Departmental Revolving Funds, as provided in Mass General Law Chapter 44, Subsection 53 and a half, as amended by Chapter 218 of the Massachusetts, I'm sorry, of the Legislative Acts of 2016. You get me tongue tied over here. Whereas Mass General as amended, further provides that the municipal legislative body shall annually set the expenditure limit for each revolving fund established under the local bylaw. Now therefore be it moved and voted that the Franklin Town Council hereby sets the expenditure limit for each revolving fund established under Franklin Town Code, Chapter 7 Departmental Revolving Funds for fiscal year 2024 as follows. Section 5.1 Senior Center uh, Respite Program, $30,000 Section 5.2, Senior, uh, Senior Center Activities Program, $100,000. Section 5.3, Senior Citizen Support of Day Program, $100,000. Section 5.4, Use of Facilities Account, uh, $100,000. Section 5.5, Fire Department Rescue Training Program, uh, $10,000. And Section 5.6, Community Policing Programs, $25,000. This resolution should become effective according to the provisions of the Town of Franklin Hall of Charter. Move resolution 23-35. Second. Motion and second. Discussion, Jamie? Through you, Mr. Chairman, these are required by statute to reauthorize every year. These are the exact same limits that have been in uh, town bylaw for many years, and nobody's requesting the increased limits. It's pretty, Thank pretty you. straightforward. Any questions from the council? Councilor Cormier-Ledger. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. To the town administrator, Jamie, for everybody listening, can you just explain the, these are basically revolving accounts much like we heard from the schools where money comes in through fees and then money goes out it's just it's different from the budget uh, correct that's exactly correct mm -hmm. yep exactly the same thing. perfect thank you we just have to authorize them the one difference between the school and the town is that we have to by statute the town actually has to appropriate all these duties every year so and, and Any of it? I'm, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Uh, and, and Jamie, what happens to the balances in these accounts at the end of the year? Does it just stay there? It just stays there. And just gets used it for the same stays. purposes in yep. the next year? Yep. Okay, thank you. Further comments or questions from the council? 
Seeing none, the vote will come on the motion to approve resolution 23-35. A majority vote's required. All those in favor, signify by saying aye. Aye. Opposed? Motion carries. Resolution 23-23, approval of FY24 Community Preservation Annual Budget. Clerk will read the resolution. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. This is Resolution 23-23, Appropriation for Fiscal Year 2024 Estimated Revenues for Administrative Expenses, $93,542, uh, reserve accounts from FY24 Estimated Revenues for Historic Preservation Reserve, $187,084 um, from Fiscal Year 24 Estimated Revenues for Community Housing Reserve, $187,084 uh, for Fiscal Year Estimated Revenues for Open Space and Recreation, $1,017,693. Fiscal Year 24 uh, Estimated Revenues for Budget Reserve, $385,441. Total amount requested, $1,870,844 for the purposes of to see if the town will vote to appropriate and reserve from the Community Preservation Fund annual revenues in the amounts uh, recommended by the Franklin Community Preservation Committee at, for required reserve accounts and administrative expenses and other expenses of fiscal year 2024. With each item to be considered a separate appropriation, the motion be moved and voted by the town council at the sum of $1,870,844 be appropriated or reserved as indicated above in fiscal year 2024 from the Community Preservation Fund annual revenues in the amounts recommended by the Franklin Community Preservation Committee. Resolution to become effective according to the provisions of the Town of Franklin Global Charter. Uh, the Community Preservation Committee Act had a meeting on April 7, 2023 with a unanimous vote for the recommended amount of $1,870,844, oh, I'm sorry, March 7, thank you. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Move resolution 23-23. Second. Motion to second. Discussion, Jamie. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. This is the approved uh, recommended budget um, carved up exactly as it should with the 1010 uh, Reserves. Um, as you'll notice on the budget, the open space and recreation uh, reserves is higher because of the, uh, the open space parcels, um, as well as the projects that are recommended by the CPC, which is the two resolutions from now. Um, and so this is the uh, recommended budget from the CPC for the year. Thank you. Questions or comments from the council? Seeing none. The vote will come on the motion to approve resolution 23-23. Again, a majority vote's required. All those in favor, signify by saying aye. Aye. Opposed? Motion carries. Resolution 23-24, FY24 Community Preservation Appropriation of Debt Service Funds, Maple Hill and Schmidt Farm. Clerk will read the resolution. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. This is Resolution 23-24, Appropriation for Fiscal Year 24, Community Preservation Appropriation of Funds, Debt Service, Maple Hill Land, and Schmitz Farm. Total amount requested $692,693. The purpose, to appropriate from Community Preservation uh, Open Space Res Reserve Fund the sum of $692,693 to pay the annual Maple Hill Land Schmidt Farm Bond Debt Service. May, uh, 
Principal Maple Hill, $150,000. Interest Maple Hill, $117,818. Principal Spitz Farm, $180,000. Interest Spitz Farm, $244,875. For a total of $692,693. Community Preservation Committee recommendation. Meeting date uh, on March 7, 2023 was a unanimous vote to recommend $692,693. Dollars. Uh, motion be moved and voted that the town council at the sum of $692,603 be appropriated from the Community Preservation Open Space Preserve Fund in fiscal year 24 to pay the annual Maple Hill land and Schmidt's Farm bond debt service. This resolution shall become effective according to the provisions of the town of Franklin Home mm -hmm. Charter. Move resolution 23-24. Second. Motion and a second. Discussion, Jamie. Questions or comments from the council? Seeing none, the vote will come on the motion to approve resolution 23-24, a majority vote required. All those in favor, signify by saying aye. 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 Opposed? Motion carries. Resolution 23-25, FY24 Community Preservation Appropriation of Capital Funds. Clerk will read the resolution. Motion to waive the reading. Second. Motion is second to waive the reading. All those in favor signify by saying aye. Aye. Opposed? Motion carried. Move resolution 23-25. Second. Motion and a second. Discussion, Jamie, quick through, summary. Through you, Mr. Chairman, I actually uh, request out of the council uh, last minute uh, amendment to this to actually take off the Nason Street tot lot. This is good news, the project is done. Um, we did this as an emergency that we thought the cost project would go over. The money just goes right back into the budgeted reserve. Um, so we don't need the 25,000. The CPC committee thought, and we all thought that the cost would go higher. But as the project's done, it also gives me a cheap plug. This Wednesday, the Nation Street Tot Lot opens at 5 o'clock on Wednesday the 31st. It'll officially be the first community preservation project that's completed. And so um, I just got wind of this right soon, recently. Uh, we thought this would go over. So if folks want to save the 25000 you just have to amend the resolution and take that off. Thank you. Uh, does somebody want to so make a move, motion to amend? Uh, the resolution to remove uh, the $25,000 allocation to the Mason Street Tower. Second. It's going to reduce the total amount to $300,000. Correct. Reduce the total amount to $300,000. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Thank you. I have a motion and a second. Any further discussion on the amendment? Seeing none, the vote will come on the amendment. All those in favor signify by saying aye. Aye. Opposed? Motion carries. Now we'll vote the amended motion of 20, uh, resolution 23-25 uh, as amended with a motion to approve 23-25. Majority votes required. All those in favor signify by saying aye. Aye. Opposed? Motion carries. 23, uh, bylaw amendment 23 Dash eight nine seven sewer rate increase second reading. Clerk will read the bylaw amendment. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. This is bylaw amendment twenty three eight nine seven. 
Sewer usage rates, created and acted by the Franklin Town Council of Chapter 82 of the Code of Town of Franklin, entitled Fees, Municipal Services hereby amended. At uh, Appendix A is followed. Appendix A lists the sewer service <coughs> usage rates. Uh, effective for bills issued on or after July 1st, 2023, sewage usage rates shall be as follows. Uh, CCF, zero, uh, zero to 15, uh, the sewer rate in uh, 7-1-2023 will be $7.22, and 7-1-2024 will be $8.31, and on 7-1-2025 will be $9.42. For 16 to 40 CCFs, it's going to go to $7.69 on 7-1-23, $8.85 on 7-1-20-24, $10.03 on 7-1-20-25. For CCFs, 41 plus, um, it's going to go to $8.83 on 7-1-23, $10.17 on 7-1-24, $11.52 on 7-1-20-25. Quarterly sewer only is going to go to $2.18 on 7-1-23, uh, $2.60 on 7-1-24, and 310 on 7-1-2025. This final amendment shall become effective according to the provisions of Franklin Home Return. Move resolution bylaw amendment, I mean move bylaw amendment 23-897. Second. Motion and second. Discussion. Jamie, anything to add? Nope. All good. Uh, Councilor Pellegrini. Question to the chair. Um, how can we predict what it's going to be, 7124 and 7125. Why are we doing just one year and then bringing it back if we have to the following year? Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Because the debt service schedule, the interest is set at 1.5%, the financing through the borrowing and through bond council and all the, in the state. You have to remember also this goes to the state revolving fund, Clean Water Trust at the Commonwealth. So when you give them an application this thick, it has to lay out all of the costs for the whole project in the duration of the project. So we actually, our finance director knows that that's exactly what needs to be paid and where the cost drivers are for the actual project. So it's all laid out for the 20 year borrowing for this year, next year, the year after that, and all throughout the entire 20 years of the, uh, of the project. Okay, thank you. Any other questions or comments from the council? Seeing none, the vote will come on the motion to approve bylaw amendment 23-8970, a majority roll call votes required. <coughs> Clerk will call the roll. Sure. Yes. Formulage. Yes. Angelo. Yes. Chairman. Yes. Hamlin. Yes. Slagery. Yes. Jones. Yes. Vice Chair. Yes. Chair. Yes. Nine zero. Sir. Motion carries. Resolution 23-36, authorizing the borrowing of money to pay costs associated with designing and constructing and equipping a PFAS treatment facility at the Wells 7, 7, 7 and 7A site. Uh, DWSRF 12544. Clerk will read the resolution. Thank you, Chairman. This is resolution. Motion to waive the reading. Motion to second to waive the reading. All those in favor, signify by saying aye. Aye. Opposed? Move resolution uh, 23-36. Second. Motion and second. Discussion. Jamie, quick summary. Same thing we talked about a few weeks ago. We got to do both of these votes, the next two to require by uh, code to send this to uh, DEP for their approval. 
Thank you. Any questions or comments from the council? Seeing none, the vote will come on the motion to approve resolution 23-36, a two-thirds majority votes required. All those in favor signify by saying aye. Aye. Opposed? Motion carries. Resolution 23-37, authority for town administrator to file drinking water state revolving fund loan applications. Clerk will read the resolution. Motion to waive the reading. Second. Motion and second to waive the reading. All those in favor signify by saying aye. 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 Opposed? Move resolution 23-37. Second. Motion in the second. Discussion. Jamie? Oh. Yeah. Council for Just for sure. uh, a sentence or two of color. Just because we are uh, waiving the reading of the people at home, I know they can find it on their own, but just like a sentence or two. What, what, what is being done? <laughs> Fair, fair enough, Councilor Brazil. Um, so what's being happened is, is we're being required by the Commonwealth and or EPA to update uh, on updated PFAS regulations. Um, folks out there may know the forever chemical. Um, and so uh, with the uh, leadership of our water sewer department and uh, Doug Martin uh, is tapping into um, this uh, loan application for a six and a half million dollar upgrade um, to our wells. Um, to be able to make uh, those more PFAS compliant. Um, I would note, um, and I'm glad you brought it up, but there's a letter here um, that the entire town council signed. So back to unfunded mandates. Um, your town council out there, for folks looking, um, are actually trying to uh, raise some issues um, about the local unfunded mandates around this PFAS regulations. Um, I think the analogy was made how can you clean up the mess if the faucet hasn't been turned off? So we're just going to keep on spinning around uh, like dogs chasing their tails, trying to clean up chemical that is still consumed by every one of us every day. 98% of Americans have PFAS in their body right now. Um, and this letter is raising these financing issues. As we heard from the water sewer superintendent, this is $50, $60 million worth of upgrades over the next decade, the town of Franklin's gonna to have to foot the bill for. As I put on my slideshow the other day, it's almost certain that we're gonna be raising water rates next year, just like you just did for sewer rates. To pay for the interceptor, right. rates are gonna to have to go up, just like the Beaver Street interceptor. The Consulate Plagiary's question earlier, there'll probably be a resolution next year, raising rates for one or two or three or four years in a row to help pay for this regulation. Um, so. I do commend all the counselors for signing this. This isn't easy. I think we all want clean water. We all want great drinking water. You know, it's, it's tough to fight this, but it's the right thing to do. Um, where uh, with other uh, things like lead, getting that out of paint, you know, they prohibited lead from being in paint. So they stopped chemical. Um, so I hope that's five sentences, but I hope that gets across. That's like one or two sentences. No, thank you. That's, that's helpful. Getting, getting saucy. Any other questions from the council? Seeing none, <laughs> seeing none, the vote will come on the motion to approve resolution 23 37. Again, a two thirds majority votes required. 
All those in favor, signify by saying aye. Aye. Opposed? <laughs> Motion carries. My favorite resolution. <laughs> resolution 23-38, cable funds in support of PEG service and programming per Mass General Law, Chapter 44, subsection 53, F and three quarters. Clerk will read the resolution. Motion to waive the reading second. happily, <laughs> Mr. Chairman. <laughs> Motion and a second to waive the reading. All those in favor, signify by saying aye. 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 Opposed? Move resolution 23-38. Second. Motion and a second uh, to waive the reading. No. Oh, I'm sorry. The vote will now come on the motion to approve resolution 23-38. Again, a majority vote's required. All those in favor, signify by saying aye. Aye. Opposed? Motion carries. Thank you, one and all. A very lengthy legislation uh, evening. Town administrator's report. What would, Thank uh, you. What, uh, <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. I couldn't resist. Most of it is Second. What would a council meeting be without some peg funding to have to vote on at the end? But in all seriousness, Mr. Chairman, really quickly, just want to thank um, all the councilors for their support. Uh, the comments earlier by Councilor Fragillo. Um, obviously, all the department heads, all the staff, uh, the superintendent of schools, the school committee, the entire school staff, the principals, everybody, um, for an incredibly challenging year. Um, finance committee. Um, and just incredible job from everybody on this budget. Um, you know, obviously, I think in a couple weeks we're going to improve upon that uh, and try to achieve more community goals. But just want to thank everybody for their support on behalf of the organization. Right when we think our week is over, it is not over. Um, we get to get up bright and early again tomorrow uh, just to continue the uh, sleepless nights um, with the Memorial Day breakfast tomorrow. So um, really excited for that. And then with the nice weather over the weekend, um, I think it's incumbent upon all of us to hopefully um, take a few uh, days off to uh, rest and recuperate. And uh, the Celtics are up at halftime. And the parade. We have the parade. And we have the parade on Monday. Oh, I'm sorry. Up 96-78 in the fourth quarter. Cowboy up. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, uh,
future agenda items. Anybody? <laughs> <laughs> Councilor Sheridan, I can't see you down there. Nothing. Councilor Frangelo. Councilor Hampton. Nothing, thank you. Councilor Cormier Ledger, no, Councilor Chandler. Councilor Pledger. I think we should look at the council rules and regulations so that our meetings shall go on at Seriously. Well, the, the budget hearing is difficult. We can yeah. shut it down. Yeah, like we could we could consider that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh Councilor Jones. Sure. Councilor sure. Okay, Councilor Comments. Councilor Comia Ledger. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Um, I want to thank everybody that did come out to our third and final arts and culture tour. Thank you, Councillor Hamblin and Councillor Frangelo, um, who I think we, we made a pretty great team on that uh, on that ad hoc committee, and I feel good about the work that we did. Um, I want to say congrats and welcome to a company called PCI uh, that just opened their gigantic uh, mail facility in Franklin. I was lucky enough to go to the grand opening along with uh, Representative Roy. It was unlike any grand opening I think I've ever been to. Not that I get to go to too, too many, but it wasn't your normal ribbon cutting with a donut. Uh, they had revolutionary war reenactors. They had uh, priceless uh, Ben Franklin pieces to review. Uh, we got to see the facility and really see how it all worked. And uh, they're gonna employ uh, couple of hundred people right here in Franklin and it's going to be their company's Northeast hub. Uh, so they searched all around and picked Franklin so we're pretty lucky to have them. Uh, my sincere condolences of course uh, to the Gaspar family uh, for the loss of Nick and I just wanted to say thank you to the entire community uh, for the outpouring of love and support for that family. It was um, incredibly heartfelt and I am very much looking forward to uh, attending the breakfast tomorrow. Um, and I would like to also say congrats and thank you to everybody on this uh, illustrious panel and in this room tonight, because this was not an easy two days and it has not been an easy lead up to this uh, with a lot of difficult discussions, but I think we can feel good about where we are and where we're going and know that there's still some room for improvement, so thank you. Thank you, Councilor Comey-Ledger. Councilor Chairman. Through you, Mr. Chairman. Yeah, I mean, I'm just gonna stick with the budget. I mean, we did a great job, everybody, thank you. Uh, a lot of work, a lot of work. And I'll say thank you to all the department heads and their people. There's been a lot of people that stuck through this, especially last night. I was really proud of everybody that stuck with us. And um, I really mean thank you. And hopefully the next round we can get a little more Thank, thank you. you. Thank you, Councilor Chairman. Councilor Blakely? I just want to thank all the department heads yeah. and their people that have been set by these two. And um, it, it was a difficult budget, but I think we did the best that we could possibly do. And thank you all for working so well with us. Thank you, Councilor Blakely. Councilor Chairman. I was all seconded to the department heads and uh, Nick's family, and this weekend we remember the people who gave their life for our country. Thank you. Councillor Frangillo? Echo the gratitude, echo the condolences, echo the excitement for Memorial Day um, recognition. The only thing uh, I would add is uh, on the note of cultural uh, grants and investments, um, I received a grant.
um, a local movie theater experience, so bring that back, um, because I've been called upon since the loss of the Zeotrope, our second film, is on Tuesday, 7 p.m. at the Black Box Theater, showing If Beale Street Could Talk. We got popcorn, we got craft soda, candies, uh, it's a good time. Uh, come out, and if you want to read the novel that it's based on, uh, they're selling it right now at Escape in the Kitchen. Thank you. Thank you, Councillor Fondillo. Councillor Hamlin. <laughs> thank you, Mr. Chairman. Um, first, I want to thank the town administration team, the school admin administration team, all the department heads, all the workers who constantly um, try to fit what they do into the budget constraints that we put on you. Um, you always work extra. Um, you do the best for the, with the, the, the least amount, and um, we appreciate that. I see you, and I want to thank you all. Um, I also want to thank the people from the FinCom who held three budget hearings that I will again plug for people to go and watch and to, um, and to look. You can even just look at the presentations that are there. They're very um, informative. And it's very important if you want to learn how the budget works and the process. As Council Frangelo talked about the process, it's um, part of the really good thing that we do here. Um, I just, I was walking my dog this morning, trying to process what happened last night. Um, and, and all the feelings, all the emotions, and um, what usually around this time in, in our term, in the term, I always think like, well, I think about myself, like I critique myself. Am I being effective? Am I actually taking the seat from someone else that could do a better job? What's going on? Why am I there? Um, and then I think, why did I, today, yesterday, today, it was only today, not yesterday. Um, I thought, I thought, why did I even move, why did I even move to Franklin? Because this weekend will be my 13th anniversary of living in Franklin, right? So I haven't been here that long, but why did I come here? And I came here for the open space, um, and the low tax rate, basically, is why we moved from Westwood. Um, my son was in college, you know, and, and we were like kind of free. We could move wherever we wanted to go. Um, but now I know what a low tax rate means, and I think we've all experienced that these past two days. You know, I mean, we talked a little bit about the library. You know, the library when we first moved here was on the brink of not meeting the minimum standard spent for and um for in a town the library that holds ben franklin's books is like it was just insane when you think about it right yeah um, the safety department has never really had the, uh, the correct amount of personnel or supplies uh, schools have cut language and arts we've heard that over and over again about all the years in a row these little cuts get made um, and it's been whittled down to what, what seems, all these little things that I thought of as extras, which we've heard recently, and I believe wholeheartedly <coughs> that um, they're what keep people alive. They're like, that's how people find out who they are. And it's really important, they're not extras. And the, and the roads, well, we, we're not even gonna bring up the roads, because <laughs> um, we know that, what they're like. But it's a struggle to get things done. And we chip away at it a little bit at a time. And I hope everybody knows, like, that's where we live. This is where we live. This is what's happening. You know, and then I started thinking about, well, what did we learn last night? Because there always has to be positives when things are really stressful. <coughs> and um, and we, we, we learn from what, when we're out of our comfort zone. And so um, Council Frangelo actually put it together pretty 
clearly for like our, our administrators are fearful that we can't sustain sustain we support our spend because our revenue without revenue and our and our state aid right and we know that right um, and I understand that I feel the same way um, we might not all think that but but we have to admit that at least some people in the room feel that way okay I feel like last night there was some kind of barrier that I think has probably shifted a little bit tonight with the wonderful school department and the conversation that um, Lucas and Councilor Fargillo had. That was really powerful to me. Um, and it just seemed like there was some kind of communication problems there. And, um, and I just want to thank both of you for, for what you said earlier because that was really great. And I think it helps everybody understand where we all stand, right? Um, and, it, and then we learned that a part of that, a big part of our town feels as if it's thought of as only a burden to the rest of the town. Um, and to me that means unwelcome and not worth the effort, a very heavy load to carry. And um, I just want to apologize if I have had a role in that. Because um, I don't think it's fair and I don't think it's okay. And um, I will, I promise I will try to do better. <laughs> um, you know, we learn these things and say these things and accept them, validate these feelings so that we can move forward as a team, right? That's the whole point. And I feel like these past two, two nights have really helped us understand each other so we can solve these serious issues and then we can work together to move forward as one, frankly. And I just want to thank you all for Actually, just listening to me, if you are, you're probably, maybe you're not, but um, it, this was a really powerful hearing, I think, and um, it was amazing to be a part of it. And I want to thank everyone, all my colleagues, everyone out there, um, and we can get tough things done. So, thank you. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Thank Sorry. You. I, thank <laughs> you, Councilor Hamlet. Councilor Jones. <clears throat> uh, thank you, Mr. Chairman. Um, Mel, very well said. It, it, very well spoken by all of our counselors. Thank you for a great team. Really remarkable, remarkable team. Um, this is my 15th budget. And I don't know if that'll be my last or not. We'll see what happens next year. I'm getting tired. But um, as you can, it's a bit long night. But um, I just want to simply state that how how happy and proud I am of everyone who's who's really stepped up and, and made this budget season. For as difficult as it was, um, and we may have to get through it. We're going to find ways to wait, ways to make this work. Um, as I'm sitting here across my newsfeed over here, I was, I was happy to hear many things from the Celtics doing well to the Senate budget passing. But I have to point out probably one of the most important things that happened for me tonight is my son Simon. This is with Mr. Grossman on the stage at the Franklin Public Schools being awarded for best actor at. Uh, oh. The Franklin School of uh, yeah, the Franklin Public School But I'm also I just want to also state that the young lady you, you heard last night, one of the young ladies that got up to speak as part of the public school systems, um, uh, an eighth grader who just happens to be my daughter. So that was Becca Jones last night who got up and spoke. Um, awesome. yes. to us last night. 
Um, she waited all night. I give her kudos for just that task alone, having sit through one of our council meetings and the budget hearings uh, to get to the point where she felt enough courage to come up and speak her mind in regards to how important the music, the chorus, and the theater, and all of that really is to these kids. And, and it's, it's, it's just as much as a passion to them as is baseball, soccer, and, and, and hockey to all the other kids. Um, every part, every single part of our system matters, and it matters to somebody. And it's our job to do our best to take the taxpayers' money and appropriate it towards what is ultimately, at the end of the day, I, I think what Mr. Mr. Valley used to always say, it's the big picture, it's what the, it's what the needs are. We're always here to try to meet our needs, it's always wants that we always want to try to have. Um, but at the end of the day, we have to make some really tough decisions, and, and, and I think we've done a really good job of doing that. Um, one of the points that came up with my apprentices, they, they, they love when I talk off topic about things, was how much the town is worth, because they were curious how the, how the whole tax rate process works, so I actually looked it up. Um, thanks to our town clerk who left, I know she's tired. Um, in the town report, I found out that the total, total assessed value of the town of Franklin is $4.6 billion. That's a, that's a, that is a tremendous amount of money. Granted, it's not nearly as, as, as much as some other communities are worth, but that's a, that is a, a tremendous, tremendous valuation for our town. And uh, I just thought I'd put some context behind the fact that our budget's $150 million of a $4.6 billion community. So. Thank you, Councilor George. Councilor DeLorco. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. I also want to just reiterate what everybody else has said to, you know, all the department heads, Jamie, all your staff, they all did a great job. Um, yeah, you're going to make some tough decisions, but we'll all get there. Whatever's been done is done. Now we got to figure out how to fix it. We're going to fix it. That's it. That's our job. we got to fix it. Between everybody else, the school committee, everybody else. we just got to get together and fix it. That's it. That's it. That's, at the end of the day, that's what we have to do. We gotta figure out a way to fix it, and we will. But, um, but outside of that, it's been a long couple of nights. Thank God I'm not working tomorrow. Because I would have left halfway through. But, uh, but, but, uh, but um, a couple things. Um, obviously, um, tomorrow the veterans breakfast. I actually will be there. Um, and um, just gotta thank your, your vets this weekend. Especially, you know, think of them, especially the ones that didn't make it home. So we could actually sit up here and argue about everything that we're supposed to argue <laughs> because they because they went there and they never made it home. Um, I'm lucky I get three family members on the on the um, on on the on the common, you know that have fought and passed laws. So, um, but they made it home. Uh, a lot of their friends didn't. Uh, so, um, I, I have tremendous respect for that. Uh, unfortunately, I will not be able to be at the parade. I have to work. Can you imagine that? I have to work, but we get a big inspection coming up, so I have to work on Monday. So, <clears throat> I just want to um, 
be, you know, I just want to tell you that I won't be there and hope everybody has a good time. In July 3rd, uh, Franklin Rod Gunners have a name, um, their fishing jersey. So it's like $10. I'll be working it. There's $10 for the adults, $5 for the kids, $5 for breakfast, pizza all day free. Um, every kid gets a trophy, whether they get a, you think it, even if they get a fish this big, you know what I mean? They, they get one. You get one? I probably wouldn't catch a fish, so I probably wouldn't. But I uh, just want to let everybody know that, that, uh, that it's a good time. So, um, outside of that, that's it. Thank you, Councilor Delaco. Uh, I'd like to first offer our condolences to the Gasper family uh, for the tragic loss. Uh, and I'd again like to thank all the department heads, our town administrator, our superintendent of schools, our school committee, uh, finance committee, uh, <coughs> All the department heads that came out and all of the residents that came to, and students that came to listen to the public hearing on the budget, the most important thing we do. Uh, I think it was very impressive. It was a very long night. Uh, tonight isn't that much shorter. Uh, but we did, uh, we have gotten through it. Uh, one of the things that I spoke about last night, and I am so looking forward to, my, my, our concern, and I think the entire the concerns of the entire community is the sustainability of where we are mm -hmm. and how we move forward. And I'm looking forward to working together with the joint budget subcommittee, uh, with members of the school committee, members of the council, and members of the finance committee and putting together a strategic financial plan as we move forward for the next three to five years, what we need to be looking at, what we may or may not need for an override uh, coming up in the not too distant future. Uh, but these are things that we have to develop a plan for. Uh, and I think we're in a good place. Uh, we've worked very hard over the last couple of days as a council, uh, talking about different things. So uh, I am looking forward to the, the building of that strategic plan, strategic financial plan to move forward with. And nobody got the extra $50,000 in their budget because nobody came up with the Fab Five, who they were. So uh, for those who didn't know, that was the freshman uh, Michigan basketball team Chris Weber, Jalen Rose, uh, Howard, Juwan Howard, Juwan Howard, Jimmy King, and Ray Jackson. <laughs> Jamie and I were the only two. <laughs> Can we get 50 grand in the TA? <laughs> no, you don't count. Thank you. Thank you, Google. <laughs> the only one who probably could oh, say yeah. that. You know, there is, a, there is a, a Franklin resident that played against the Fab Five in loss. Wow. Mr. Bill Brigham. Wow. He was played for Maryland, and oh. in, 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 uh, he lost against the Fab. <laughs> a, a lot of people that were here last night were even born. <laughs> I hope he didn't count timeout. Yeah. Yeah. 
Okay, with that, I will entertain a motion to adjourn. Second. Second. Non debatable. All those in favor signify by saying aye. Aye. Opposed? We are now producing this in collaboration with Franklin TV and Franklin Public Radio. This podcast is my public service effort for Franklin, but we can't do it alone. We can always use your help. How can you help? If you can use the information that you find here, please tell your friends and neighbors. If you don't like something here, please let me know. Through this feedback loop, we can continue to make improvements. And I thank you for listening. For additional information, please visit franklinmatters.org. If you have questions or comments, you can reach me directly at suresteve at gmail.com. The music for the intro and exit was provided by Michael Clark and the group East of Shirley. The piece is titled Ernesto Manana, copyright Michael Clark and Tintype Tunes in 2008, and used with their permission. I hope you enjoy. And by the way, you can also subscribe and listen to Franklin Matters Radio on your favorite podcast app. Search in podcasts for Franklin Matters.